Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. Things are back to normal after the reverse interview last week. In case you missed it, the last episode, number 44, was a reverse interview where Ethan Pringle took over and interviewed me to ask about my background and why I started this podcast. I do actually have a handful of things I'd like to share about the reverse interview. My sister Heidi reached out to me to let me know that we did, in fact, swim in the bug-infested swimming pool down in South America. I guess we were braver than I thought. And also that it was only my backpack and a few plane tickets that got stolen. I guess we had a rental car for that part of the trip, and not all of our bags would fit in the trunk, so mine was stashed in the back seat. And the inside of the car was robbed, but they couldn't get into the trunk, so everyone else's bags were safe. Turns out the memory of a five-year-old is far from bulletproof. I also had a FaceTime call a few days ago with my parents. As I mentioned in the episode, they listened to the podcast, and they told me that my sister Allison used to teach me communication skills at the dinner table. Apparently, I tended to jabber on about Legos or whatever video game I was playing, and she was determined to make me a better listener. So if you're listening to this Tonde, it appears that my listening skills were neither intrinsic nor cultivated, but rather they were beat into me at a young age by my oldest sister. I also want to say thank you to all the guests who submitted questions for the reverse episode and to all the people who encouraged me to do it. And finally, a massive thank you to Ethan. You asked some really interesting and thoughtful questions. Your interest and your curiosity mean a lot. Okay, today's episode. Today's guest on the podcast is Drew Mack. Drew grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and spent his formative years in the Red River Gorge and has now climbed most of the hard routes there, including Southern Smoke, Lucifer, and Pure Imagination, all 514C. For the past four years or so, Drew has been living on the road as a professional climber, living in his Honda Pilot, taking down hard routes doing some coaching here and there, and generally spreading the Drew Mack psych and his genuine love of rock climbing with the people around him. Drew is a genuinely great guy. We just met in Rifle this season, and I got to observe his process battling the crew, a notoriously hard and bouldery 14C, so we talked about that. We also talked about how Drew approaches limit-level projects in general and some of the tricks he uses to maintain his power and keep his fingers strong while projecting. We also talked about some of the mantras he says to himself while he's climbing, and Drew gave us some training recommendations for a climber who is preparing for an upcoming trip to the red or to peak for a sport climbing project. The day of the interview, Drew asked me if his friend Nat Gustafson could sit in and join us, and he did. Nat is a really great guy as well, and a 514 climber in his own right, so you'll hear a bit from him in the interview. Nat lived overseas in Spain for three and a half years, and in that time, he took his climbing from roughly 12D or 13A to 514, and I was excited to dig into that with him, and we talked about some of the cultural differences between Spanish and American climbers, and why standards tend to be higher over there, and I asked if there were any tactics or strategies we can take away from the Spaniards and apply at our local cracks. Kind of a laid-back, hanging-out-with-the-boys sort of vibe with this episode, but plenty of good nuggets throughout, and I hope you find it entertaining. Please enjoy this fun and varied conversation with Drew Mack and Nat Gustafson. (laughs) 
Where's the green room? <laughs> the green room. I have a second van. Oh, no. Nice. Just painted green on the inside. <laughs> what did you guys have for dinner? You want to tell them now? Well, after a long day of rock climbing, uh, you know, we, we swung through Wendy's. Yeah. A little chicken sandwich, frosty action. It was my idea. It was I all dragged idea. Nat through there. There was some debate at the cliff as to whether McFlurries or Blizzards were the way to go. McFlurries. And McFlurries won, I Pass. think. No, Blizzards. Wait. Frosties. Bl- Blizzards Frost- versus Frosties. I already screwed it up. It's fine. Yeah, Frosties. We need to put you on the game. Because of the food at Wendy's. That tips the scales, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I mean, a Blizzard versus Frosties hard, hard toss-up, but I think generally the food would be better at Wendy's than DQ. What's the beta? What was the flavor that you went for? A chocolate Frosty. A chocolate Frosty. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't send, so it's just a... <laughs> There's a sad frosty and a send frosty. <laughs> what flavor is the send frosty? They're all chocolate. They're all chocolate. They're just all chocolate. Which one tastes better? <clears throat> uh, about the same. I send frosty probably. Yeah, we're good. I'm just checking things. Mint mint Oreo Blizzard. That's, okay. That's the way. If you're going to DQ, mm. then that's the. To, personally. Have you ever gone to Wendy's to get food and then driven to Dairy Queen just for the blizzard? No, but uh, <clears throat> segues. Lee always told me that when I he was going to take me to like a really nice steak dinner. Okay. And I was like, can we get a steak dinner after I do this hard rock climb or whatever? And then can we go to Wendy's afterwards? <laughs> and he was like, sure, if that's what you want, man. Like. We can make that happen. <laughs> you were just joking that you don't do this every day, but <laughs> at the cliff. Okay, so this actually goes along with what you said at the cliff earlier today, too. You don't do it every day because you have one health day per week. Everybody's got their cheat day. I'm I trying know. to have one good day. <laughs> I'm just trying to eat real clean for one day it. a week. One health day per week. Yeah, what right. You, I'm you... joking. You know, I yeah. try to take care. Uh, and you, but, you've talked about having like a really crappy diet when you were younger and you've like kind totally of cleaned it up, right? Definitely cleaned it up. That doesn't mean that sweet tooth ain't that I can't smash a frosty <laughs> like I just, you just saw. <laughs> uh, I just try to be more like thoughtful of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. noticed a difference? Oh, without a doubt. I climbing. feel better. I climb better. I look better. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got some abs now or something. Uh, or I don't something. know. Yeah, I don't know. I've been doing crunches. Maybe that'll help. Really? <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> Remember that that cheat day. <laughs> right. Crunch day. So you have the training that you do for rock climbing and then you have the vanity training for beat jobs. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Little core helps. Uh-huh. So I just <laughs> I just listened to an episode of the normal cast that you did. Yeah. And you re- you guys recorded that right after you had sent Flight of the Concords. Totally. And I was really hoping that we'd get to record this right after you <laughs> sent the crew. <laughs> well, damn, man. <laughs> I know. Rub it in that I did it. <laughs> no, Rude yeah. That would have been neat. That would have been super cool. But Tell me about the crew. The crew. You've been battling. I've been battling. Yeah, man. I've been here in Rifle for a while. And, um, I mean, it's been a ball. It's been so much fun. I love the canyon. Did a couple routes that I was really proud of and psyched for, and then kind of just settled my efforts on the crew. 
it's a lot of fun, old school, classic, Chris Newth or whatever, F.A., 96. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Um, just like a legendary route. And I've been banging away. Yeah. Done all the links, the high points, the low points, fallen with my mouth in the chain. Yeah. Not literally, but. Pretty close. Just there, yeah. Heartbreaking, dude. But, you know, I don't know. It's been fun. It's ups and downs. You're... Some days I hate it. Some days I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's like the way it is. Yeah. You're at an interesting point in the process, it seems like, where you you have a few days left, but it seems like you're really at peace with it, whatever happens. It seems like you've kind of let go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think there's the point in time on a project where you tell yourself you've let go because you want to send, but you haven't really. Mm. And then there's a point where you're like, you're leaving and you just become okay with whatever result, you know? Mm-hmm. I definitely kind of feel there. Like, I'm ready to move on. I've been here for a really long time. And When did m- you get here? Ooh, um, in July or so. Yeah. I went I went to Estes for a few weeks, but I've been here for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, I'm ready to move on now. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm really fascinated by the, you, you called yourself a project climber. Sure. And I'm really interested in your method and a method I see so often. I think Joe approaches his routes the same way. Ethan kind of hammers routes the same way. But it sounds like you've just been trying this thing day on, day off, not trying anything else. Is that about right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think it can be smart to add in other things or side projects or finish the day on other climbs. I do that every once in a while. But it's, yeah, I mean, I've kind of been in that zone on a bunch of routes where you just try, 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 try over and over and over again mm-hmm. until you submit it. You know, you like... Beat it into submission. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Submiss, submiss. Submiss it? I don't know if that's a word. We can look it up. <laughs> well, I'm really interested in that process because you're also a very good rock climber. Thanks. You're very, You're very well-rounded or you're becoming much more yep. well-rounded and... Um, and you're smart too. Like you, you know, you do make a point to do other routes. You've, you've got a big base, you know, a big pyramid of other routes that you've done. And it's really interesting to me, like today you did your warm ups, and then your kind of second warm up was like doing some moves on the hard thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, it, it makes sense. Like that's good tactics. And it makes sense that with something that long with that many hard sections, you need to really spend the time. But for me, I'm always I'm fascinated by this because I always feel like if I hammer the same route every day, every climbing day, I'm not recovering in those specific ways that makes that route hard. Totally. And I, for me, I found that like I typically try a really hard thing like one or two days a week and then the other days are mixing in Yep. maybe other hard climbs for me, other hard projects or like second tier routes or whatever. Totally. Do you feel like your hardest sense have, have come when you have just focused in on one route or um what what yeah what what are your thoughts on, on yeah. that approach <clears throat> yeah i mean i think i've done my hardest things just locked in really grinding 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 interesting and you just like get it done but i mean i've done other hard routes where you mixing it up and you're trying other things i don't know i think that i think it makes it makes a lot of sense to be mixing it up and climbing on other things and not be beating your head against the wall on one thing. And I have a lot of, I think I do it in trips, you know? So this is my second large trip to rifle. And my last time here, I did a lot of rock climbs. Um, And so that was something I was really proud to do. And I was really happy to do a lot of things. And then I have another trip where 
you know, if I climb one route that whole time, that's fine, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that's how you do your hardest stuff. I understand the point of you get, you do get weaker, I think, by trying one thing. You get stronger on particular moves. The muscle memory gets better. You're just dialed in on the sections. But, you know, I'm having this experience now where I'm, like, feeling more pumped on the route than I've ever been. And I think that's a a cause of only climbing on the same thing. Hmm. So I think, you know, I don't think there's one way or another. I think everyone's, every project has to be looked into differently um, what's worked, and this is a conversation I had with myself last week, is that just because this worked last time doesn't mean it's going to work this time. Hmm. Um, you know, just because I've beat a project in its mission doesn't mean that I can do the same thing with this route. Hmm. You know, and and I've added a couple of days in bouldering at the gym in Carbondale. Um, you know, and that I don't know. You just everything demands a different level, a different level of respect, mm-hmm. different process. Every project has a different process. Yeah. Very simply. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And it, you've also had a successful season already, right? Didn't you do yeah. Walk a Flock of Flame? Did the Flame. Did the Flame? Flame. When, when was that? <laughs> uh, maybe a month ago. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe six weeks ago. I could look, but okay. yeah, I'm not sure. Was it? Six weeks, probably. I think I've been like, and then since then, just crew. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. Were you trying the crew before that, or was it just yeah. Flame 100%? Kind of then... here in the summer, and I was just climbing on everything, just having fun. I did, a, you know, some of the classics, Simply Red. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein, oh, whatever, yeah. Slice of Life, or Piece of Cake. Um, bunch of 13Ds. Yeah, I did a bunch of, you know, I had a lot a lot of fun. And then I was trying Waka, and I was trying the crew. Um, I tried the crew because I was going to Boulder and Estes, and I just wanted to be stronger for my Estes little trip. Um, Interesting. Yeah, totally. I wasn't even going to the top of the crew at first. You're training on the crew for your bouldering trip. Totally. I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm my pump is good, but like I'm I'm not bouldering well. So like, let's try a bouldery route so that when I go to Estes, I that progression's a little easier. Okay. That, um, and so I just bouldered around on the crew for a bit. After I came back from Estes, I was just you know climbing on both of them. And when I did flame, I you know started investing more time on crew. Okay. Does and, that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And Walk a Flock of Flame and the crew are both 14C. I don't know if we mentioned yeah. that. but So that's really Opposite interesting. Opposite routes. Totally different. Okay. Yeah. So Flame is more enduro. and So pumpy. Okay. Yeah. So, so pumpy. Gotcha. And that one suits you better? Crew is of hard boulders. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think fl- uh, Flame is definitely on the like light side. Of, okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So that helps. <laughs> suits you better (laughs) the soft ones so that's so interesting i was going to ask you about that trip to estes because it sounds like you used that trip as like a break from enduro climbing for training totally so you were training on a route for your training trip yep to go to estes totally i don't know man i i mean i grew up in the red and my my fitness is so good but not rad, but that's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but, but my power, su- I mean, like, I've gotten better at bouldering for sure over the last few years. But I still get like comments on my Instagram when I'm do a hard boulder or something that is like, <laughs> you know, like funny or like, oh, it looks like you're bouldering now or something. And Look I always find that as, you know, funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my bouldering isn't. Yeah, I would like to make more progress there. Yeah, okay. It, it doesn't stick as round as long for me. So the like pa- the strength and power correct, stuff. Correct. Okay. It goes away really quickly. Mm. So like to where I, I feel weak. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I need to keep that up. And before I did flight, I went to Red Rocks and bouldered for a bit. Flight of the Concords. Uh, yep, exactly. Because those are okay. those are close enough to each other. Mm. So for me, it's like I need to go on bouldering trips, and I mm. think that I learned that with the crew this time is that more bouldering is going to be is definitely always beneficial for my sport climbing. Okay. Yep. Personally. Interesting. I, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in this. So you've been hammering. You tend to hammer one route, but it was really interesting to talk to you at the cliff the other day, and you were saying that you not only had that three week trip to estes to switch it up in boulder to estes right to yeah, rocky mountain yeah. um, but you've also been moonboarding at at the gym in carbondale yeah and mixing in days with yeah. that so yeah. that was super interesting because i'm really becoming more interested obviously i'm on the road i'm living in a van and i'm like how what do i do how do i stay strong i i've done a lot more training in the past few years and i'm I'm pretty excited to have a year or two where I really go deep into performance climbing and totally. just focus on that stuff. But but I'm always just curious what people are doing to, you know, especially sport climbers that sport climb yep. most of the year. Like, how are they maintaining their power and stuff? So Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. It's like you if you sport climb so much, you, you definitely, the power goes away. And you've been kind of on the road for two years, more or less? A couple of years, years, four-ish. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I mean, I was working in a gym for a little bit, um, but then I... I took off from there and now I've been kind of on the road. Okay. Doing it. So how do you think about balancing projecting and performance sport climbing with bouldering in the gym or bouldering these bouldering trips to keep your power? Yeah, up? totally. I mean, it's just I mean, in a lot of ways it's somewhat periodized, it's somewhat goal oriented. If I if I'm going on a trip where I know I want to do a bouldery route, then I need to make sure I spend that time bouldering beforehand in a gym or on a bouldering trip. Um, you know, if I have downtime in between trips, then that's just like straight bouldering. I'm just trying to get better at that, mm. you know, but I haven't done like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of whatever I'm most psyched for too, wherever kind of like the, the psych is at. Okay. And then, I mean, if I have a longer sport climbing trip, it's definitely adding in, adding in bouldering. Okay. Hangboarding here and there is super easy to do. I don't know. You I think it's a, like. You live in a Honda Pilot. I live in a Pilot. How do you hangboard? <laughs> I'll either use like use a hangboard at the cliff, okay, um, or borrow somebody's hangboard at the cliff, <laughs> um, or at the gym. You know, okay. if I go to a, do a gym session, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like try to make gains when I'm have downtime or like training time, and then try to maintain those gains, or just not let them backslide all the way when I'm performance climbing. Okay. Yeah. When was that three week trip that you took? Two months ago. Two months ago. August. Okay. Did you have specific boulders that you wanted to do on that trip or was it just training mindset? How did you think about that? It was a lot of different things. It was getting away, getting out of rifle. Okay. I think it was one part of it. Mental break. Switching modes, switching gears, doing something else is really healthy. Um, And then just bouldering, big hikes, bouldering. I didn't really have any specific specifics. I just wanted to. I didn't care whether I was climbing hard boulders or doing a lot of easier boulders. As long as I was like trying hard, mm. I knew I would be getting better and that would be beneficial for my rifle season. You know, mm. there were some days that it would just seem complicated to get into the park or whatever. And so we'd go moonboard. Okay. Um, you know, and my buddy Jack came out and it was just like a ball to hang out with him and hang out and climb all the time. I did a couple of boulders I was like happy with, like the kind traverse, but like, what's that one? Like an 11 traverse slow ball. 
Okay. Dabby. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, you know, small cramps and powerful moves, some shouldery moves, and just like a classic one that I really wanted to Sweet. do. Okay. Yeah. And then what does the balance look like the last two months with the moonboard <laughs> days? Um, That's just kind of been like uh, the boulder of the crew is really difficult for me at the bottom. And so it's just kind of like if I know the weather is going to be bad or if I knew I was going to take two days off, then I wanted to get into the gym. There's no consistency. Let me answer. <laughs> okay. Let me just simply answer that. Uh-huh. I just kind of like here and there when I feel like it'd be good. Or my buddy Dan Mursky was lives in Carbondale and he was going to the gym every once in a while. So it makes it easier to link up with somebody and go. Okay. Um, yeah. See my buddy Nat in there just the other day. Yeah. He's sitting with us. Nice. <laughs> nice. Are you just focused on pure power when you're in there? Um. On the moonboard sesh. Yeah, just like, you know, I boulder around. I, it's just fun for me, too. You know, I love going to the gym. I love, like, the simplicity of just, like, doing boulders and jumping around and swinging and feeling like a little kid, you know? <laughs> it's, like, so much fun. Hmm. Um, but, the, yeah, then it's just, like, picking hard boulders um, and trying hard for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do some supplemental work, you know? I'll pick some things up and put them down and then leave. Pretty much it. Lifting weights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> something you, like that. What have you been doing with that? Like some deadlifting or something? No, I don't know how to deadlift. What are you picking up? Like some some free weights and I just do a shoulder mobility kind of oh, okay. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Eyes, Ys, and T's with weights or with rings kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to get my shoulders stronger. Okay. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you talk about your stretching. Like, I yeah. think when you were focused in on Flight of the Concords, you were, like, stretching for three hours a day or something. Yeah, maybe maybe not three, but I was, you know, it's a lot of, like, I'll stretch for an hour in the morning and an hour for at night. Wow. Um, but, I mean, that's not that's not every day. Um, that's most days, I would say. But then, you know, and that can be, like, some stretching and then a lot of uh, foam rolling, too. So okay. it's not like I'm just, like, touching my toes for three hours. <laughs> what are you doing for, for hours? Uh, do you follow a routine or do you just nah, like, it's kind of my own thing. Okay. Just kind of getting moving. Uh, I mean, definitely kind of like working on a, a side split or front split kind of thing very okay. slowly or like lunges kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sets of like 10 seconds, three sets of 10 seconds for these different kind of stretches mm. over the head stretches with the arms, you know, the gym, the gym stretches that you learned in high school. Or whatever that I haven't done for 12, totally, and then a lot of floor. Years. I mean, floor stuff. Um, yeah, and then like I said, a lot of foam rolling. Okay, and that's just like I like. I really enjoy putting headphones in or blasting music and just like kind of doing my thing, like just chilling. Okay, it's kind of like meditating in a way. Okay, yeah, got you. Have you? That's like in season. I'm pretty bad at. I can. I you know there can be a bunch of days where I'm not doing that if I'm just kind of whatever. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's pretty consistent, but I would. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm very interested in this because stretching is one of those things that I can't deny would help my climbing. Yeah. I'm like, you know, moderately flexible. It's not a major hindrance, but I'm sure it would help me to be more mobile and have better flexibility, especially hips and hamstrings and stuff. Totally. Have you noticed it? An improvement? Have you noticed a difference? Yeah, I think so. I mean, nothing like drastic, but okay. I think that like I can high step re- decently well. 
you know, like I can reach feet out to the side and stuff. And normally it helps with, you know, recovery in a lot of ways or I have a sore muscle. And I feel like if I'm doing that consistently, along with eating well and sleeping well, then, you know, then those things are get better. Okay. You know, I've done, I mean, I've had times where I'm not doing anything. I'm eating like trash. I'm not sleeping well and yeah. I'm not stretching sure. and I feel like garbage. Oh, okay. So yeah. I think it's, yeah better when i'm doing that (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah is there is there anything uh i guess in training or in just how you're approaching your project climbing your performance climbing that you've been excited about or focused on in the last maybe this last year that i've been excited about Mm -hmm. um what are you focusing on these days i guess having fun cool yeah man i mean i think that I've been a professional for a few years now or whatever, especially like last year was my first year, like full, full time, like pro kind of mode Yeah. and focus on performance and my own stresses of like trying to be better. And I think it's really important to have days where I'm just like laughing and smiling and having a really good time with my friends and not taking some trips or too serious. You know, I went with Pringle to Mallorca. And I was recovering from a finger injury and was out of shape and and I you know, I just had this moment where I was like, Man, if you don't have fun 'cause you're if you're upset that you're not climbing well for this whole trip, you're gonna be upset on the beach in Mallorca. And I it just like really kind of like made me get back to the root of like, I wanna do this forever and just because I wanna perform really well doesn't mean I can't go to the cliff and climb five nine and five ten hmm. because it's fun. You know, hmm. and those are five star routes. Yeah. So I just need days like that where, or trips, you know, where it's just like, you know, play some music if yeah. everybody's around and be goofy and have fun with it. That's, Not be serious. That's you know? cool. I can't be serious all the time. Hmm. I, I need to be serious to get shit done, but it's got to be fun. I want to do this forever. I don't want to burn out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I, I think it's, there's this interesting irony <clears throat> with hard climbing where so often, that sort of mindset leads to even better performance sometimes. Having fun? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Have you, has it helped you? Yeah, I think it's all, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I'm just, uh, I think it makes the long trips and beating the head a lot easier, you know? It's easier to grind out when you're having fun too, you know? Not that I wasn't having fun, but it's just important to have both, I think. Mm -hmm. What do you, what have you found that's most beneficial for your climbing on this You've been on the road now for a little bit. I have. I you have. know, I've and this been on first time in the van, full time. Yeah. You know, how did, how is that affecting your performance and how is that, what have you found as beneficial? Yeah, I've been on the road since February, so it's been a strange time. Yeah. You know, this has been a really strange year. Yeah. What's been interesting to me is that this podcast project, it does compete with climbing, you know, as far as my energy goes and my focus goes. And what's been really interesting is that I think I like it even more than I like climbing, at least as much as I like climbing. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. But I I like it maybe even more. And obviously, if you listen to this, this podcast, like I ask questions that are interesting to me because I want to get better. You know, I, I started this whole thing because I was so curious about what people were actually doing and what was working for people. And it's been weird. I haven't had the drive or like the, the focus to implement those things that I thought I would have or that I had before kind of embarking on this whole thing. But for once, that's kind of okay, too. 
you know, like yeah. I, I have this other thing I'm excited about and I'm putting energy into this project and kind of prioritizing that. And I, I guess right now I'm really trying to find like, what are the simple things that can make a big difference for me? So kind of like I said, I've, I've spent a lot of time training in the past. I'm really excited this year to just climb on rock more and to just try to bring more intention to my climbing day yeah, totally. each day, you know, yeah. like try hard when it's try when it's time to try hard and make the tries count. And I just had a long conversation with Ethan Pringle the other night. I was asking him this cause he, you know, he's so observant and he can't help but kind of like critique people's climbing. Totally. <laughs> and he loves talking about it. He like, he loves yeah. sharing with people like what he thinks they could benefit from or, or and he's work great on. at it. He's too. really good. Yeah. yeah. He's really perceptive. He's been doing it forever. Yeah. And it was really cool. You know, he said, your technique's really sound. Your footwork's good. I spent a lot of time at Smith Rock, so I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. And he said, you look strong. He said, I think you could really benefit from focusing on relaxing, mm -hmm. especially in this kind of burly style at Rifle. We're in Rifle right now. And breathing. Yep. He, he challenged me to spend... <laughs> A full minute, or he said, you know, a minute would probably be great. Five minutes would be even better. He told me five, so five, you're yeah. doing well. <laughs> totally. Spend five minutes with your shoes on, tied in, chalked up, you know, ready to pull on the route, just breathing. Yeah. Just whew, yep. like forceful exhales, really breathing deeply and just filling yourself with oxygen, but also just like... It's so important. Yeah. Just just getting in that mindset, yeah. you know, and I, I have, I find that like I actually do that okay on the stuff that's really hard for me yeah but i suck at it at the second tier stuff mm. where it doesn't matter as much to me and i'm like oh i'll do this thing it's just get a, through get through get yeah through. it's just yeah. a matter of tries like I, if i don't do this try i'll do it I next see, try yeah. man it like really focuses your attention it, it brings like a lot more intention to that try when you're breathing that way yeah, so totally. i'm kind of psyched to like just work on breathing for yeah a year you yeah, know totally. like what if you just worked on your breathing for a year <laughs> yeah you'd probably get a lot better without at, a doubt at a lot of things that, that are peripheral to that. Right. So yeah. anyway, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it seems like the questions that you ask and you get an answer to because you're interested in them. I'm sure that's got to help your climbing in so many ways, you know? Yeah. But even by just like so, an, a byproduct, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're just selfishly doing the, the podcast to become better. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Absolutely, yeah, man. Yeah, Which yeah, is exactly. like, I mean, I think that's what makes it work, right? Like yeah. other people, if I want to know the thing, because I want to know how to get better, totally. then I'm, you know, there's so many people out there that have those same questions. Yeah. But the theme that I keep running into over and over and over again is just climb a lot, climb a lot of different stuff, you know, have variety. I guess I, I keep using this word, but be intentional with your climbing yep. and treat climbing like a practice. And I think I've done that to some degree, but I think I could go a lot deeper with that, especially in like branching out into lots of new styles. Cause I, totally. I haven't done much of the rifle stuff. I haven't done like I've done almost no cave climbing, like proper steep cave climbing yeah. on a rope. Hardly come out, any. Come out to the hurricane. I'm really bad. Too. I'm really bad yeah. at it. Cool. <laughs> it feels super hard. That's always exciting though, because then you, you get to like yeah. get better at something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm excited about right now. Cool. Who do we have sitting with us? My buddy Nat. <laughs> Hello. Who's Nat? <laughs> 
I'm uh, Nat. Nat's a homie. He lives in Carbondale. I met him in the red. We both worked at Miguel's. What year was that? 2011, 2012. Wow, forever ago. Yeah, I was a little kid. <laughs> I was young, a little squirt. See, the first day that I met Drew oh, Mac, no. we were hiking up. I was hiking up to the the mother load with a friend, and we saw you red point your first 514. Oh, that's the day I did Omaha. Yeah, you did Omaha. Oh, came sick. down. Oh, you didn't know who I was, but I was with with, with a mutual friend of ours, and you okay. gave me a big hug. Your little teenage Drew just psyched, <laughs> psyched to the out. moon. Oh yeah, dude. Psyched to the moon. You're 25 now. Six. Just turned 26. 26. Okay. Oh right, <gasps> you just had a birthday. Oh my god. Happy birthday. Thanks. So you were yeah, you were like 18, 17, 18. 17, 18, probably yeah. yeah. It's funny because I met you, to, well, re-met you today, Nat, but I remembered like, oh my gosh, yeah, I think I met you that same season. Yeah, either um, that season or the season after. Probably the season after yeah. at the Red. And, you know, today you just put down Quick Tick, Egyptian, 13B, in two tries, which is awesome. And I remember you, I think I remember watching you on The Force. And it was just like, <laughs> yeah. it was just like a working burn, you know, you had like a decent go, but you definitely didn't send it second go, you know, I was like, damn, that guy's come a long way. That's cool. Well, thank Matt's, you. I appreciate Matt's that. That's a crusher, man. And he's been like climbing everywhere and uh, just like really, really good rock climber. Yeah. Yeah. You're dealing with a it's shoulder injury really cool. right now, it sounds like. Yeah. Trying to figure out if I'm going to be getting shoulder surgery this winter or rage through until the surgery is a necessity but okay. part like torn rotator cuff and labrum dang which has made climbing an interesting an interesting challenge or added a new challenge to climbing yeah yeah that's that must be an interesting thing it sounds like you're at this point where you could continue to climb 13 b's lots of them really quickly but it sounds like you you know you can't really climb at the at your potential right now yeah yeah i imagine that's that's a struggle. Like <laughs> not fun. Yeah, yeah. Stepping away from climbing completely to, to be injured or to recover from surgeries, that's not a fun prospect either. So Yeah, and especially since I can sort of climb. Right. But, you know, I can climb pretty well, but just not not to the I can't push myself. So Yeah. Going under the knife and looking at months of rehab when I can still use my body to seventy percent or, you know, some yeah. amount, uh is it's a tough challenge, but Decisions are always easier when they're made for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. I'm really interested with you, Nat. I'd love to ask you about your time living in Spain. Yeah, sure. You lived over there for three years. Is that right? Three and a half years. Yeah. Okay. Teaching English? Yep. Cool. Yep. Lived on the island of Mallorca. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. And it sounds like climbing is what, what brought you there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just kind of got into into climbing in college, and like I think most of us, dove in and was just completely enamored and wanted to use it as a way to explore myself and explore the world, and so moved to Spain and and spent my days teaching teaching little kids how to speak some English and trying to climb as many tufos as possible. <laughs> That's cool. Not a bad life. No, not a bad not. life. I, I want to ask about the differences you have observed between the culture, like the Spanish climbing culture versus the American climbing culture. I've heard that the standards are just higher yep. over there. Is that true or in your experience? Yeah. I mean, you still get this the same spectrum of climbers. You know, I, I have plenty of friends there that are psyched on climbing 5859 and plenty of friends that are also psyched on climbing 515. I'd say... For me, what kind of separates the Spanish culture from the American culture is just the the infectious psych that everyone brings to the crag. Huh. That's something that really helped me grow 
is I feel like a lot of times in the states we we bring we bring our shoes, our harness, and some excuses in our bag. <laughs> um, and those those you know those are the essentials. Hmm. Um, in Spain, it just seemed like people, you know, it's they they say they go a muerte, they mm-hmm. go to the death, and they they just they get on the rock and they move and fight and try hard. But I think they also do a good job, a better job of of leaving things there. So a little more. I mean, there, people are still very motivated to send, and it's frustrating if you don't send. But I think there's a certain amount of detachment from the, or maybe a little more process oriented, and just enjoying the day to day, enjoying time with friends, that I found infectious, hmm. and I think people like Drew really exhibit here. Hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say just the Spanish culture is psych is high. Okay. Psych is very high. Interesting. That's... I've experienced that too when I go there. It's like the whole crag is uh, invested in your effort. Huh. Like people will stop to watch what you're doing. And I mean, that happens everywhere, but especially at crags in Catalonia, it's like everyone cares. Hmm. It's really cool. It sounds like there's maybe more attention put on the actual effort versus whether someone sends or not. Maybe. Totally. People are just They just like, want to see a fight. Yeah, well, I think it's there's maybe a bit more communal at times as okay. well. I mean, people are still very focused on their own individual objectives, but yeah, if someone's up on the wall trying hard, people kind of stop and stop having conversations and start to pay attention. And, and you can feel like as someone is fighting up one of these long resistance routes and yeah, where Oleana, Fragel and Majorca, places like that, like, you know, as they get higher and higher, just the the energy from the the people around also just kind of rises up the wall. Hmm. Um, which, again, that definitely that happens here, but I think it's a little more consistent there. Hmm. In like 5.11 to 5.15. Yeah, exactly. It's, like the same. it's oh, the cool. Same. It's not, That's so cool. It's like everyone will stop and cheer for somebody climbing their first 12A or whatever. It's just like, it's exciting. Hmm. And I would say that it's also, you know, it's not necessarily a difference in the people. Uh, on, on some level it is, but also I think just a lot of times the crags there lend themselves to that, where you can have totally. a phenomenal 511 that is right next to seven 515s. Wow. Or, you know, or like, you know, you get you can get a spread of, of classic routes on the same wall. And so you're not as siloed off into dirty, chossy caves hmm. to try the one you're route. You're trying to talk about rifle and by way of <laughs> Yo, I love rifle. I like these dirty, chossy caves, bro. <laughs> what about um what about tactical things or strategy things like that have you observed a difference in how people approach their climbing in spain versus here yeah you know we, we were actually talking about this earlier today and and warming up on routes mm-hmm. like warming up on projects and you know maybe i don't necessarily agree with this tactic all the time but spaniards love to just roll up to the crag throw their rope down at the base of their project and and just really get after it from pitch one of the day. Wow. I wonder how much of that has to do with that climbing style, just the long, steep kind of fight style. Where yeah. you, don't, you don't have like a, you know, a tweaky hold five feet off the ground as, as often as some of the crags in the States. Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of times, you know, especially if it's a, it's a, if it's a tufa line or, you know, many crags in, in Spain, you're climbing for 20 minutes from ground to the top and, mm. and you're going to get really pumped. So I think it is a little easier to warm up on the route incrementally, hmm. whereas okay. like pulling off the ground and grabbing some heinous mono and 
a little, little harder to, to just do that without a proper warm up. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I know you've been dealing with your shoulder, but is there anything that you've tried to bring back with you now that you're living in the States? And I don't know, I guess, is there anything that you try to dip into mentally, you know, trying to remember parts of that culture that aren't as prevalent here? I, I don't know. Any strategy things that you've brought back with you? Yeah, you know, I just, I I try to bring that that kind of infectious psych okay. and that infectious energy that, that my climbing partners there had. And really, I like, you know, I, I was fortunate to get to spend a lot of climb, time climbing with the Poe brothers, Iker okay. and Echo Poe. Yeah. And uh, Iker's uh, girlfriend as well, actually his wife now, Neus Colom, who one of the first first Myrokine women to send 8C. Okay. Um, so they just, you know, some very strong and psyched climbers and just remember moments with them of, you know, them trying incredibly hard on routes that are challenging and committing and sometimes kind of scary and, you know, taking big falls and just hitting the bottom of the rope and just laughing because they're having such a good time. <laughs> um, wow. Not to say that there's not moments of frustration, but just really trying to just remember, like like Drew said, we're out here, we're having fun, you know, rock climbing is where it's a precious gift that we get to do. Um, and so if we are at the crag, not enjoying ourselves, we're kind of wasting that gift, I would say. Hmm. So just really reminding myself to have a good time, hmm. regardless of if I'm clipping chains, if I'm dogging, if I'm falling off the same move repeatedly, still just remember that we're having a good time. I'm curious what your evolution of your own climbing looked like in those three years. Like what kind of a level were you climbing at going into that time in Spain? And then what was your climbing like when you left? Um, let's see. My first, like well, I climbed my first like 12D, 13A in Spain. Okay. And then. So you didn't go- do the, you never did the force before you left? <laughs> I did not do the force that year. <laughs> I did that when I came back. Okay. Um, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. No, that one got away from me that season. Um, <laughs> Yeah, kind of like 12, 12 plus, 13 minus climber arriving there. <laughs> um, and then through time in Spain, there's one ra- one wall in particular, Fragel in Mallorca, which has, you know, five-star routes of every grade, really. Um, so I just kind of started working my way through those routes and ended up climbing a couple of 514s, on-siding some 13Bs. Dang. So it was, it was a great, you know, it was a great time. And I, I think it was no in no small part due to the people I was climbing with hmm. and just, you know, I was psyched. They were psyched. We were all psyched. Hmm. And so it was really easy to just have these big days where we're just exhausted, you know, throwing ourselves at the wall from sun up till sundown. Huh. What was it like making that change, moving to another country and traveling? And from there you traveled all over Europe quite a bit. What were like kind of some struggles i'm sure like culture shock and language barriers and things like that i mean what kind of things did you experience that way yeah i would say probably the language barrier was was one of the harder ones um especially you know i went to spain not really speaking any spanish and kind of learning learning while i was there and very lucky to have a lot of very patient friends (laughs) but i also did realize that i changed as a person if i couldn't you know not being able to fully express yourself in the full like spectrum of emotions I felt like I was more, at times, a little more emotionally blunted in the hmm. sense that I only knew how to say, I am sad, I am happy. I, you know, I, I couldn't express the subtleties. Um, so that was interesting, just trying to, trying to manage that. And mostly in doing that, I was like, all right, I need to learn how to speak this language so yeah. I can 
I can express myself. Um, actually, some like, like Naus, my friend, uh, after about a year, once I started to like really have a command of the language, she she told me one day, she's like, you know, we always thought that you were so quiet and polite. And then we just realized you couldn't speak, you couldn't say anything. <laughs> Uh, so that, that was a good moment. You're still polite, but <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's fascinating. That makes perfect sense. I've just never really stopped to totally to think about that. Yeah. And what 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 like what would you um, what advice would you give to somebody wanting to travel to somewhere they haven't been or because traveling can be really scary, you know? Yeah, it can be. How would you get over those kind of fears and intimidation of being in a new place? Can I add a question to that? Yeah. What do you wish that you had known going into that trip? Yeah, totally. Ooh, those are good questions. Um, all right, I'm going to start with, with Drew's part and then work around to what I wish I had known. I think... Well, I think you don't get over the fears in the sense that you like step over them and then they're no longer there. That was one thing. And I, actually, that's my answer to what I wish I had known as well is like... You take a step, you like do something that is against the fears or going against the fears, and that's awesome, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be another set of fears or another hmm. set of fears. And so really just trying to be mindful, trying to be present, realizing that with most things in life that I think are, at least for me, fulfilling and inspiring, there's going to be a certain amount of fear. Hmm. Um, and so for you know moving to another country or just hitting the road, not really sure where you're going, there's a certain amount of fear there. And accepting that as part of the game accepting and embracing it because it's always going to be there and that this happened to me like if you spend so much time trying to negate those or yeah i guess negate them or just pretend they don't exist you're going to be a little less present both abroad and in your own home so i think that that was something that i learned there was just like oh a lot of times life can be uncomfortable and that doesn't necessarily mean that's not a bad thing. It's just part of the game. Hmm. Hmm. Good answer. That's why I wanted this boy to join me. <laughs> we just have these long conversations. I mean, he's like, we're never in the same place. Yeah. Yet we're like best of friends. And we can have these like really interesting conversations about fear and anxiety and depression and rock climbing and girls and everything. And it's important to have people like Nat in your life. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you, really Drew. <laughs> yeah. What is something that you've learned from Nat recently in the last year or so? Oh man. Um, what do we talk about when we walk, when we were driving over here, <laughs> we're talking about like pushing through on comforts and trying to do more and balancing your time well. And in this juggling act of how much you're doing and how full your plate is versus how empty your plate is. And, finding the space for, for more and more and more without it eating in too much to the things you want to be really good at as well. Mm. That I mean, that was just like, we talked about that while we were driving mm-hmm. here kind of stuff. Um, I know you've expressed like wanting to give back more in your climbing yeah. and, and not just be a professional climber who sends hard routes. Is is that kind of what you're Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. Especially with this year. Yeah. I joked that like it feels silly to project one route when the world is burning and crazy and you want to do something and help and just talking about different ways you can and different ways to not just direct ways to to can but just like the generalization of of giving energy and how good that is i guess Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know what's something that you've learned from drew 
That's a good question. Um, you know, Drew and I, our relationship has been really interesting, and, and we've, we've both grown quite a lot as people through all of this. And I think what I've learned from Drew is, is seeing seeing Drew really dive into climbing as a professional, as, as a profession, and in turn having his, like, being a public persona, um, seeing how he has been able to balance both probably poles, poles in good and bad directions that, that come with being kind of in, in the public eye mm. and just really being true. Like he has stayed true to himself. Mm. Not, you know, I think there's been some moments where you've maybe had to like correct your course a little bit, but ultimately just being true to who you are, um, which is, I think it's an admirable trait and it's, it's one that Drew exhibits and has learned to cultivate in himself as he's gone from, you know, this dirty little kid in the Red River, like in the hollers of Kentucky to, you know, now traveling the world and just, just being, just being optimistic and, and authentically caring of others. We talk, we talk a lot about swimming too, not swimming, swimming, but like this metaphor of waves and dealing with the ups and downs of everything in life and being sad and being up and happy and everything, you know, everything in between. And that's uh, always nice to communicate <laughs> with people who feel like on a similar wavelength, you know, mm-hmm. wavelength swimming, LOL jokes. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> that I, I want to ask you about your relationship with social media. Okay. If you're open to talk about it. We, yeah, you and I'm I had, an open book. You, we had an interesting conversation at the coffee shop the other day and you were, I asked you if you would want to do this and you were reluctant at first. Totally. With everything going on in the world, I'm sure that's that seems like that was the biggest part of that. And it, it's just really interesting. You were talking about how there's like this massive push to be authentic. And, you know, as far as social media goes, to put yourself out there in a really transparent, vulnerable way. But then we are in this really interesting time where it feels really dangerous to do that. It feels really scary you know the thought of like taking a misstep something saying something wrong saying something insensitive saying something naive whatever all that stuff can really come back at you really yeah in a really brutal and and harsh way and i'd love to hear yeah i'd love to hear how you're thinking about yeah well i mean i think it's a first it's a privilege to feel uncomfortable i think like without a doubt like i without a doubt privileged in so many different aspects um that i can be uncomfortable by those things and and be quiet or be loud and I can choose what I want to say when I want to say it and maybe not everyone does and I think there's been a big push over the last few years and I've I've had these conversations often with friends of you know if you're trying to be authentic how authentic is that you know is that like what's too much yeah well I mean if you it, it just feels like if you're trying really hard then it's not really okay it's not necessarily <laughs> real you uh, know it's uh-huh. like if you're trying to be authentic and you're authentic whatever every day for every post and how is that authentic i know i keep using that word but like, it's like unnatural yeah i mean it's just uh how much soul bearing are you doing to to be authentic and i, I don't know i you know i want to share and i want to tell stories and i want to emote with people in different ways if that's a word i think it is um but you know i want to i want to share my ups and downs and i want to do that in a real way without it feeling like I'm doing it for 
this or that for attention or for anything. I don't know. I mean, I felt I felt uncomfortable with doing this podcast. I feel it feels weird to talk about things. Um, but but I think it's I in the same way with with the Norma cast is that I was really excited for that opportunity because with sending a hard route and Kobe Bryant passing on the same day, I didn't want to write about it. I didn't want to post about it on social media because I don't feel like that displays the emotion or the context that real storytelling allows. And having a real conversation with somebody feels like the most authentic, you know, mm. the authentic way to to communicate with the with the public. Um, mm. You know, I would. I try to tell a podcast or talking to podcasts like I would be talking to a friend, you know, and mm-hmm. you've now become a friend. So it's great, but it just feels weirder when it's just talking to talk for people to look at. I don't, I don't know. And you know, with this, I wanted, I was back and forth and a bunch of friends encouraged me to do it, to stop thinking about it and just do it. Especially Lee Smith, who's been a, you know, my mentor and my best friend somebody that's important in my life, you know, a father figure. And he just encouraged me to stop thinking and and go for it. And I think you, I think too much, you know. I overthink, I overanalyze, and I think it makes me somewhat empathetic and being able to communicate decently well, but it can also drive me insane and mm. crazy and feel like I'm spinning and spinning and spinning. And um, I don't know, I'm just blabbering. But well, it's re- I would like to talk more, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. It's interesting. I was just, I just did an interview with Emily Harrington. Yeah. And I was, I was preparing for that. And I listened to her on another podcast and she was talking about this really significant shift that's happened for professional climbers in the last handful of years, where three to five years ago, the general sentiment from the public was like, we don't want you to talk about politics. We don't want you to talk about things that matter. We just want you to climb and inspire us and yeah. just send the NAR and then tell us about it or make videos and we can be psyched and take our minds off those other things. And now it's swung way the other way where it seems like if you have any platform whatsoever, you almost have like this. I mean, I think you do have a responsibility in some sense if you have a platform to be a little bit more clued in to the greater things going on in the world. But, you know, I think it's easy for, for the average person to forget that, like, you know, you're just a dude out rock climbing and, you know, anyone with a platform, any professional climber doesn't necessarily, it's a lot of pressure to put on them to expect them to be able to say like the most insightful thing, (laughs) you know, every time something important comes up in the world. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of people making mistakes um, and, I, and I'd like to see room for people to make mistakes and grow. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's how you learn and grow as a person. And I've been terrified of and hiding behind privilege and hiding behind everything, hiding in the woods, you know, um, uh, with all of that. I don't know. You know, I don't know the answer. I think uh, I do think it's a responsibility. I haven't been great at it. I haven't been great at using my responsibility and and being more educated i would i think in hindsight in a lot of ways i demand a lot more out of myself and i feel guilty for that in a lot of ways that i haven't been there in some ways or another but you know i'm also i'm trying to be aware of that and and try to be better and better and better every day i don't know you know i i don't know i i respect lebron james a lot he's got his whole 
more than an athlete program. He's been talking about that for a long time. Mm. And um, I don't know. I, I think it is. It's not any anyone with the position of power or opportunity. You know, I, I'd love to see that. Uh, some some kind of outreach, some mm. kind of something. You know, right. I hope I can do that through mentorship. Yeah, I feel like that's some way that I can. You know, whether it's advice for rock climbing or advice for men, uh, for sponsorship, I feel like I I try at that. But I mean, yeah, we're always we're trying to get better. You know, I don't have any excuses. If somebody's mad at me for doing something wrong or doing something, whatever, you know, I can be better in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I think we, I mean, we all can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how much are we willing to put into that? And I'd like for myself to put more energy into to other things, not just my rock climbing. Yeah. But it's also easy to go rock climbing all the time. Yeah. And kind of push that out of mind. Yeah. Um, but that's just that. I mean, that's a comfort thing. That's a, a privilege thing. Um, yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. <laughs> something I want to latch on. It's to scary. Something. I don't know. You know, it is. It is. And, and it shouldn't be. And I think that, you know, I would want to emphasize one thing that you said, which is I really hope that we can get to a place where we have a little bit more room to screw up, you know, whether you have, whether you're someone in the public or not, I, I think we all just need to have room to make mistakes and, and learn totally. from them. I also, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm a sensitive person and I'm, huh. uh, I feel really sensitive. And so it's hard to, you know, even, even like, uh, uh, constructive criticism can be hard to take, you know? And I think that, I don't know, it's important to sit back and not take it personally too. If somebody is like calling you out, uh, it never feels good, but I'd rather change than, I don't know, hmm. that, but uh, that's, it's really hard you know yeah i don't know yeah i want to talk to you more about this mentorship thing yeah tell me about lee 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 uh i met lee when i was when i first started rock climbing our friend robbie wheeler who mountain biked with my dad robbie started taking me to the climbing gym because i just bugged him all the time bugged my parents how old were you 12 11 Uh um robbie and lee climbed together at rock sport near Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Yeah. Okay. And uh, old Rocksport, which the owner of Rocksport, um, Rob Butch, passed away uh, last year, and that was uh, really hard, you know? So, like, big love to that whole community. Um, who You know, he was a, he was a, he built the first climbing gym there and, you know, held on to it forever. But uh, I met Lee through Robbie and just quickly was like under his wing and with the whole group there and they took started taking me outside and Lee tells the story. I think he tells it on the Chris Hampton podcast, but his wife at the time made him get a larger text plan um, because I was a 14-year-old kid blowing his phone up. Just like, you know, I'd have a flapper and I'd send him four photos of it throughout the day asking like <laughs> when it would get better. Uh, you know, so I was just, I mean, we climbed together all the time and you know, he helped me with training and he helped me with life. And we would have these two hour drives to the red where, I mean, at the time I needed somebody to talk to, you know, I, I needed, I was, I mean, I was getting a lot of help, uh, with different things like anxiety and depression. And I Hmm. went to a, a facility for a little while for, uh, some issues with panic attacks and social anxiety and just the whole works, you know? And, 
you know, I mean, just being a kid, you're like lost. You don't know what you're doing or your idea. You're trying to figure out your identity and who you are and what you're trying to do and what you're supposed to do. And, you know, it just is crazy time. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, and, um, and Lee was just, he was there for me and we, we grew together in a lot of ways. And yeah, I mean, he's like a big brother, an uncle, a dad, uh, He's been all roles, you know. Mm. I feel very lucky. We've had our ups and downs like any relationship, I'd say, you yeah. know. But, like, you know, I've known him for forever, for more of my life than without him. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm really grateful. He's a big fan of yours. He's going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's cool, man, because he's got, da- I mean, he's got uh, two little daughters now, and they're just, like, oh, cool. my little sisters, you know. I love him to death. I FaceTime him, and... You know, uh, they're they're the best. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he was all these things, but he really did guide your climbing too. It seems like it sounds like from listening to other podcasts, you alluded to it, but you you and Lee together did a whole podcast with Chris yeah. Hampton on the Power Company. Yeah, um, I'll link to that in the show notes for people nice. if, if they want to dig into it. But it sounds like he really had a vision for for you as a professional climber. And really reaching a high level in climbing as well. It wasn't just, you know. Well, it's cool, man. Like, I always would bug him so hard. Like, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And he'd be like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And, you know, figure it out kind of thing. He'd help guide me, but he wouldn't tell me what to do. And that was great, you know. Mm -hmm. Because then I learned... You know, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I go to the gym and what am I going to do while I'm there? You know, it's like to think for yourself and to identify your own weaknesses and how you want to get better, which is great. I always wanted a coach, uh, but... You always wanted a coach? Yeah, I wanted him to, like, coach me. Yeah, I'm yeah. a coach, you know? Yeah. But he kind of helped me. He, he definitely, like, helped me learn. How to coach yourself, maybe? Yeah, how to, how to learn, you know? Yeah, How to, how to okay. be better on my own. Yeah. How to just identify things within my own climbing. Okay. Yeah. What has your relationship with Lee looked like the last few years that you've been on the road? Oh, uh, man, it's difficult, you know? I mean, like, communication isn't always... Because um, he's a climber, too. And, totally. And you guys both... I remember you saying, I think with Chris Hampton, that, like, it wasn't a win unless you both accomplished both of your goals. Yeah, I you mean, know? we're both trying to push each other further, Yeah. you know? And, I mean, at times... I've probably, I mean, I've done this where I'm sucked into my own thing and Lee's got to be like, yo, you know, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I mean, but yeah, I mean, he'll text me like what his week looks like, you know, and he'll ask for advice. He'll say, should I rest two days or should I double up on training days? And maybe I'm a little bit more tired for Saturday, Hmm. but I got two days in instead of two rest days. And, you know, and then we can bounce those ideas off of each other. And I do the exact same with him. You know, it's like, should I go to the gym today or should I take two rest days? And he might not even tell me what to do. He'll say, how are you feeling? Mm. Do you feel like you need two rest days? And then I can come up with my own conclusions as well. Hmm. Um, so, so, I mean, we're, de- we're definitely, I mean, a lot of times I, I mean, uh, sometimes I feel like I just, I, I know a little bit more of what I'm doing nowadays. So I may not have to bounce everything off of him. Yeah. But then there's some of those moments where you're like, I just want a second opinion. Maybe I'm going stir crazy on this idea of, you know, or what route to try or, you know, or just, you know, some motivation, just hmm. like, just cheering for each other. We're each other's cheerleaders. these days? Like every day. <laughs> really? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in rifle, it's texting, like, texting. Yeah. and rifle, it's a bit different. You know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, more no out of the canyon, the canyon now that I'm in like in, uh, in a house. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's, 
you know, most days, every other day, every few days, sometimes, you know, it's real consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So you already talked about your desire to give more back in climbing. And I was asking you earlier today about like your coaching, because I'd heard that you'd done some of that in the past. Sounds like you are more interested in being a mentor to the next generation. Totally. That sort of thing. Tell me about this song, Middle Child. <laughs> cool. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this song I talk about a bunch. It's a J. Cole song, and he's talking about, you know, he's like, he's in between this generational gap where, you know, he's made it and he's he is who he is, but his here he still has his heroes, and then there's these people that look up to him as their heroes and, and are, are aspire to be like, and, you know, it's like he wants to inspire the younger generation like he was inspired by the generation above him mm. um and i think we're we all probably get to that point where we're the beginning middle and the older child or whatever you know but uh yeah i mean i feel like i'm i'm in that mode a little bit you yeah. know like i get it i'm so grateful that like you know it's crazy that i've gone on trips with my heroes you know the people that i grew up watching climbing videos of and and I can call them and ask for them for advice. And I've done that since I was a little kid. I just bugged people like Jonathan and Joe and... Um, Jonathan Seegers and yeah, Joe Kinder. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I literally, when I was a kid, I bugged them, you know. And I offered <laughs> to pay them to... to. I had no money, but I was just like, yo, let me pick your brain for an hour, you know. Yeah. And I, and I have messages from JSTAR that I have saved. I have messages from my heroes and mentors that I've saved in a Google doc that I can just look back at and that's climbing it's sponsorship. It's like all of those things and Hmm. whether they remember those or not, I do. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, if somebody reaches out to me asking for advice, I want to give my energy and my effort to hopefully help them. And I just, I mean, I love it, you know, and I've been lucky to work with some people like over longer periods of time. I work with people who, just give me a phone call and want to chit chat about beta for a route, you know, or somebody who doesn't know about sponsorship or something and wants to just some advice, you know? Hmm. So I feel like I'm still, I'm learning always. I don't know what I'm doing at all, like at all. <laughs> um, but when I'm telling somebody advice, I'm like, Oh, maybe I do kind of know what I'm doing a little yeah. bit, you know? Yeah. Um, you're like, Oh, and it, I mean, it solidifies, it makes you, I mean, it makes me feel a little bit more confident in what I'm doing too, to, to be there for somebody and uh, it's great, you know, it helps yeah. everyone, you know, I don't want to just get where I'm going and hide away and not help everyone else get to where I'm going too. Mm. I want everyone to like get theirs. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I'm trying. I don't know. It's, it's easy, you know? I mean, I ask companies for extra gear to give away. I mean, like, it's simple. Those are easy, easy things to do. And they make somebody's day, mm. you know? And what goes around comes around, man. People have invested in me for so long. Right on. We talked about Wayne Simon mm-hmm. helping me out with my trip to Rifle. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. you know. Shout like, out to Wayne. <laughs> shout out to Wayne. <laughs> and, um, you know, as I, I, I owe it to the universe. Right on, man. Do you think you will ever be Lee to some kid out there? I don't know. I mean, that's a great question because Lee invested so much of his time and energy and money into me, like a lot. And I've been there for other kids and been a part of their life. You know, my little buddy Jason Wills, like he's my little brother. I spent so much time with him. But we never, 
we didn't have where we lived five minutes away from each other where Mm -hmm. I could go pick up Jason from his house and drive him to the red every weekend Mm -hmm. or every day I had off from school or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe when I'm in a place like that, I can give that back to somebody, but I'm still pursuing my own thing too. I have a lot to learn and the more I learn, the more I can give to somebody else, whether that's mentorship or if I have kids or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe for sure. Yeah, maybe for sure. (laughs) Yeah, maybe no, sure. Perfect. Um, I want to get to more of your evolution as a climber in the last few years. Yeah. You're interesting. Your case is interesting to me because you grew up in the red and you took that style of climbing very, very far before you branched out really at all. You know, you climbed Southern Smoke before you, I mean, had you climbed really at any other cliffs around the country at that point? Yeah, definitely. I think I had been to, maybe I'd even been to Spain once. Okay. Um, before I did smoke, I had been, I climbed in Maple, um, a lot, but yeah, I mean, I I hadn't done a ton, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I had been a a couple of places, but not significantly. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. What did that transition feel like when you started, when you hit the road and you started climbing at new areas? Were there any glaring weaknesses that you, this is actually a, uh, this was a, this was a listener question actually. Were there any glaring weaknesses from all that time at the red? Yeah. My footwork. Yeah. (laughs) That's a common one. (laughs) My footwork and my power. I, like we talked about earlier at the beginning is like, uh, the red is great for fitness, especially like the climbing I did growing up in the red. Um, I avoided all of the boulder eight routes, you know, I Hmm. just wanted to, I climbed at the mother load a whole lot. So I, I think uh, limestone is significantly more technical. The footwork has to be more precise and my power needed to be better. Um, I could climb all of the sections of routes, but you know, I just couldn't do a move or something. And, Mm. and, uh, so yeah, those were massive for me. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was excited more than anything. Yeah. Just be in other places and climb other things and experience different places, people. Have there been any areas or routes that have taught you the most since leaving the red? That's a great question. Fish eye is one that comes to mind. Okay. Um, it was my first trip to Spain at Oleana. 14 B. Yep. Yeah. Um, big 50 meter route. And I, I, (laughs) it was just like my first trip to Europe, you know, and my first hangover on that trip. (laughs) You know, I was a pretty like guarded hit, like guarded kid, you know, like grew up in Miguel's and stuff. So I wasn't that guarded, I guess, but like, you know, I never drank or did anything wild. And yeah, you know, my buddy Nathan Walton and I just went on this like ragtag adventure where climbing wasn't even necessarily like we were there to climb, but we were there to hang out and have fun and drink wine and see cool places and go to museums and stuff. And, and I hurt my shoulder on that trip a bit. So that was a big bummer. I didn't really feel like it was a great climbing trip, but it was a great like culture trip, cultural trip okay. that I could go to Europe. I could go to Spain and figure it out. Hmm. And I mean, I'm scared a lot. I'm like anxious all the time and you can build up all these anxieties or think about what something might be like, but until you do it, you don't actually know. So that trip was huge for me and fish. I was this route that I just kind of banged my head on for the last little bit. And I was there with Jonathan Segrist staying with him for the last like month. And, you know, to see him rage on Pachamama and just be so dedicated 
and we both didn't do our routes and we mm. left and then we both came back stronger years later i think him next year and me two or three years later mm. and did those routes really quickly i also got <laughs> lowered off the end of my rope on fisheye oh no way um yeah the routes are long and knot came through the grigri uh, the knot came through the green. Well, we untied the knot. This is this whole semantic thing? Not semantics, because I was told that's the wrong word. But um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever. So we, the routes are so long, and my rope was cut a little bit. So we would, my belayer would walk up this little. You'd walk up the slab, mm. and normally at the top of the slab, you'd untie the knot, and that'd get me to the ground or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the rope would go through the grigri but I'd be on the ground or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so this time, I mean, it's a complacency thing. We always, I mean, the more you do something, the more likely you are to screw it up. Mm. Um, and so I think the knot came un- untied at, before walking up the slab. And as it was walking, as my Blair was walking up the slab, it rope slipped through and I came crashing to the ground. Damn. I was fine. I, you know, my, I felt like I got in a little car wreck. Yeah. My back was all messed up and my neck hurt. Um, How far did you fall? Like 10 feet. Okay. My butt. Yeah. And some grass. Yeah. I just remember lying there, like moaning, (laughs) just straight up moaning. (laughs) And uh, everyone kind of like made sure I was okay. And I was like dying laughing. But yeah. You were? Everyone else was. Everyone else was. I wasn't laughing, bro. I was trying to catch my breath. I was knocked out. I was, the wind was knocked out of me. Um,. But man, I mean, that route was just like, you know, I'm, I'm always getting better, you know, it mm. taught me a lot with that of just like you're, you, whatever, whatever you thought was hard now, like wait three years, you know, hmm. you're just like, I think I'm constantly getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel that way? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I want That's exciting, man. For sure. Whether it's the mental side or the physical side or finger strength. I mean, you always have something to be better at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sick. (laughs) What do you feel like you need to do to to continue getting better at this point? Is there like a style that you've neglected? Are there weaknesses that you're working on right now? Anything come to mind? Um, Yeah, so like, first of all, I'm moving to St. George this winter. Yeah. um, Which we'll probably talk about more. But... uh, uh, I think being out of Kentucky as a home base is going to be healthy for me. I think stylistically having the proximity to more hard rock climbing is going to be great and of all different styles, which is why St. George Vegas area mm. um, is just is really, really awesome. You know, when you grow up, I mean, I grew up in Kentucky and like, you know, it's just, it's, uh, there's diversity there in the climbing, but not, not drastically like the difference between VRG and Hurricane. Yeah. Um, or, wow, that's, yeah. You know, like, and, and the amount of 514s for me to do in all of those areas are, are tremendous. It's exactly what J Star was saying with his list, you know, it's mm-hmm. like to do all of those 13D to 14Bs or whatever. I don't always need to be pushing into the next grade, mm-hmm. but I definitely, you know, I've never been a Smith, mm. you know, mm. and there's, I'm terrified. <laughs> which, which means I really should go. Cool. You know? I think I have a lot of room for improvement and just the amount of different climbing that I'm doing. I think my bouldering can be better. And I never really thought it was bad, but I think my mental my mental game can be better. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just Anything like, specific as far as that goes? Red point stress. Okay. Uh, you know, and like 
dealing with that in a in way. Yeah. I just felt like it was okay, but I don't know. We just all, like, even that breathing stuff that we talked about earlier. It's yeah. just, like, different things with that that we can be, that I can be more in control of and be more thoughtful of. Hmm. I've heard you say that you're a very emotional person. <laughs> earlier you said you're sensitive. Yeah, sure. And you care a lot about these climbs that you want to do. I'm curious about that mental process as far as like red point anxiety or stress goes. Are you trying to channel emotion when you're climbing or are you trying to focus in and numb that emotion? How do you think about that? Numb. Numb it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, I have mantras that I say in my head. I've heard um, you say that. Yeah, I have mantras. I sing songs. I mean, both of and Nat probably saw it this morning or today, but I was... There's one line in a Travis Scott song that I kept saying over and over again um, while I was trying today. What uh, is the line? Uh, for this life, I cannot change. Okay. I don't know. It's very. It's not not necessarily like I like it a lot. You know, it's from the song Butterfly Effect. But I love this lifestyle, and I'm not going to change, kind of thing. Hmm. And so it sits in with me a little bit. But I mean, there's different things. Uh, it's always changing. A lot of uh, always changing. Huh. Always a big one recently was just stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course, which is great for my rock climbing, but also just in having a big project. Stay the course, trust the process, you know. Uh, you say that it, while you're climbing on yeah, the Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in a knee bar try, and you're stressing and you're like trying to chill out instead of, yeah, I think about the climbing ahead of me, but I really just try to be confident in myself. Mm. It's easy to be like, I'm pumped. I won't be able to get to the next bolt. Uh, there's no way I'm going to get to the top or something and as soon as you have those thoughts which i've had before you just try to change that to positive mm. positive self-talk yeah i mean it's uh, for me it's really important i don't necessarily feel like the emotional stress of like trying to red point it's just i just feel like jittery and yeah anxious. like i'm oh cool i want to try <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> the butterflies yeah totally and you just you can rush you know, I find that oh, okay. I'll rush my climbing or I'll rush a move or I'll be thinking ahead too much or, mm. or like I said, that negative self-talk will can kind of creep in sometimes. I just staying positive with something so big. Okay. Trying to find little victories too, which I'm so bad at. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Little beta improvements, things like that. Yeah. Or just like, you know, if it's a move higher, I felt better in this part and just mm. being like excited about that rather than like do or do not mentality mm. too sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that helps. Gotcha. I want to get to some more listener <laughs> questions. Yeah. And that brings us back to the list. Yeah. You just referred to this list that you got from oh, yeah. Jonathan Segrist. Yeah. And for listeners, you also did a full Power Company That's podcast episode about, right there. about the list. And so if people are curious about the list, they can go listen to that. I'll link to that one too. But basically, Jonathan gave you a list of like a dozen or so routes. Yeah. 13D to 14A, 14B. Yeah. And you specifically <laughs> picked routes that were a variety of styles yeah. that would challenge you and help you grow as a climber. Yeah, and just things that weren't in vogue, too. In vogue. You know? Yeah, I talked about something like fisheye, which is just, like, popular. You okay. Know? It's, like, things that people may not may have overlooked. You know, there's routes from Charleston there that were put up in the 90s that, like, That's are right. super respected, but you don't hear people's posting about those on social media and mm -hmm. people like know what they are you know it's like these routes that are like these like hard-nosed classics that they're closing down yeah right? straight up like in they demand a lot of respect yeah and, you know 
I mean, I think those are really proud ones to go do. Yeah, yeah. The things I'm, that aren't talked about. Right. And Jonathan, if anyone's listened to him talk ever, he's a huge history buff. And these, yeah. are, these are all grounded in climbing history, too. Yeah. So, yeah, people kept, listeners kept referring to this list. You know, one person wanted an update. Yeah. You know, how many of them have you done? <laughs> have you completed the list? And I was like, what list are they talking yeah. about? So. I finally went and listened to the episode and figured it out. Chris is going to have to pay you for all these plugs, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm probably just, just treading on his toes. He's like, damn it, I was going to do the update. Nah, man. Chris is a homie. I mean, he won't be mad if he's mad about this. How, tell me about the list. How how many have you done? I don't want to. <laughs> I haven't. I've done, I mean, I think, uh, I think even when I talked with Chris, which was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm at the same number that I've done then. Okay. Which I did all the ones in rifle. And I've tried some other ones since then, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I haven't done any of the other ones. I think that'll change now that I'll be, you know, I'm not just doing a trip to rifle or doing a trip to Spain or something. Like I'll be in the area where a lot of those routes are Mm. or within six hours, you know, Mm -hmm. so I can, the proximity and accessibility is going to be there now more than ever coming this winter, you know? It's easy when I'm on a trip for a month or two to not really not really scope out a bunch of different areas um, or go try a bunch of different routes. Uh, I normally, like, lock into one area and try to get good at that That's a interesting. Bit. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of ironic. Yeah, totally. I don't know. You know, I mean, I went to <laughs> St. George last winter and spent most of my time at the Hurricane. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I did a day right. or two at the VRG, but, like, uh, two days at the VRG is uh, not enough to get Climb to the dude. second bolt of some <laughs> yeah, to understand at all what you're doing. Right. Now it's, now it's there on my first day at the VRG. How do you do? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's just say first he started, he brought the softest shoes imaginable oh, to the VRG, yeah. which what? does not work with those slabs y- up there. Yeah. Bring some stiff accident. shoes to Smith when you go to. I was campusing, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Stop watching watching Drew Mac campus the slab at the top of Fall of Man was <laughs> definitely a sight to be seen. Just scraping my knees up, you know? <laughs> Using all parts Have of my Have you ever body. used a stiff climbing shoe before? Uh, sure. Okay. I, th- I don't know. Yes. No, I'm serious. Like what? I mean, what do you mean as stiff? Like I, I generally climb in the Oracle, the Evolved Lace Up, and that's a that's a stiffer. It's still downturned, but okay. stiffer shoe. But okay. no, I'm not using. I guess I, I think my friend Peter uses those at Smith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like those. I okay. like stiffer shoes now. Nowadays. Okay. Yeah, especially on limestone. In the red, you can use really soft shoes. Right. It doesn't matter as much. Yeah, that's why I was curious. I actually. This is totally random. I hadn't planned to ask this, but do you find that it's helpful to use a stiffer shoe for knee bars for support? Yeah, I do. Interesting. Yeah. I also have really weak legs, so I started doing little toe lunges, like toe lifts okay. and stuff and holding them for this season and rifle because my- Like calf caps, raises? Yeah, calf raises straight okay. up because my, my calves were getting tired uh-huh. in knee bars. Sure. And so I was getting less recovery in them because my, my legs were more tired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think stiffer shoes, just like you can press into those feet, especially those smeary feet and kind of, I don't know, stay in them for longer. Maybe mm-hmm. your feet get more tired in like a stiffer shoe if they're tight or something, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do you feel that? How do you feel about that? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Okay. I haven't spent that much time here and I haven't really done any routes here that have, that have like technical knee bars. 
Um, yeah. But I, actually, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I've done quite a bit of knee barring at a crag back in Oregon. Yeah. And I do, I typically go for a stiffer yeah. La Sportiva shoe. I won't blow out a pair of shoes and rifle because like if they're halfway done or whatever, like I could use this shoe in the red until mm. there's like, you know, it's like done. And rifle, I want, if it's getting softer after a while, then um, I get, in, get a fresh pair mm-hmm. and it helps significantly. Mm-hmm. I've noticed a difference that way. Okay. Yeah. Back to this list. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Are you, is it still like something you keep around? Is it on your, your yeah. radar? And... I mean, I got it on my Google Docs. I okay. got it on my phone. Are you um, going to make a point to, to focus in on those routes this this coming year in St. George? I think it would make sense. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. That's a non-committing me. answer. It's funny, yeah, totally. It's funny to me that you finally go to St. George for the first time and, you know, you're in close proximity to at least three of the ones yes. on, on the list, maybe four, and you spend the whole time in the hurricane. Yeah, I know. That was silly. But uh, I think also partners <laughs> and weather, like I couldn't go to the cathedral okay. when I was there because it was too cold. Sure. You know, I went there a day Golden and I was lucky to climb list. on Golden. Yeah, exactly. But... Um, it just wasn't the right season. Mm-hmm. So, and then my partners were climbing at Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just easy, easier, more convenient. I'm sure I could have scrapped up more partners to go to VRG last winter, but you know, I, I just hunkered into the cave. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, being there now, I think I won't care as much to just climb in one zone. I want to go to all of the zones more so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would like to make more of a point to climb all of those. And now that I've climbed on some of them, I'm, I mean, they're exceptional. I want to climb them because they're exceptional routes and they're brilliant routes just as much as because they're on a list that I want to check off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. We should do a video. I want to make a video about the, the routes. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. You should. You have to go back and repeat living in fear again. Cool. Maybe. <laughs> maybe not, man. <laughs> Never mind. Did you get footage of that one? No way. <laughs> Yeah, Zulu and living in fear and the living the dream, which actually yeah. like the dream part, living the dream has the same is the same exit as Walk a Flock of Flame. Oh, okay. So I did get a climb on that bit again. Oh, cool. In the living the living crux this season, which was really fun. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, J Star knows how to pick his routes for sure too. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. Yeah, I want to make a point of it. Cool. I want to do it. Okay. I want to do a lot of routes, but I want to do everything. Yeah, I, I, I expect this route. The crew in particular has pushed me to the zone of I want to climb. I want to just go climbing more, not oh, okay. necessarily have one project. Okay. In particular, this route, I don't necessarily feel as motivated to lock into one thing. That'll change. You know. Yeah. Do you swing back and forth? Yeah, totally. Focus on totally. volume. I mean, for if you're while. locked into a project for two months and then yeah. you do it or you don't do it. The last thing you want to do is pick another project to just climb on one route with. Right. So I definitely like go and do a bunch of stuff. And then I'm like, well, this is fun, but I'd like to challenge myself. Yeah. I pick a hard project and then I get tired of that and I flip to the other side. Right. And both are great. Right. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I actually just posted an Instagram post about this recently because I've noticed that that balance often gets lost almost all of the best climbers do that, right? They focus in on something really hard, but they also have done a ton of rock climbs. Yep. But they don't post Instagram videos about all the 513s that they're send- totally. sending, right? They yep. like focus on the 514 or the 515 or yeah. whatever. I'm curious, do you, just for context, do you know how many 513s you've done? No, I don't. Ballpark? I don't, what's that? Ballpark? A hundred? Okay. I don't know. 
yeah, that could be, I don't know where that's at. I would imagine you've done more than a hundred. <laughs> I've almost done a hundred. You've probably done much more than Yeah, 100. sure. I yeah. don't know. Okay. I, j- I kind of started backdating some things on 8A. Okay. I have a private account. I don't know. I uh, Jonathan and I had a conversation about this because as a professional, maybe I should be more forthcoming with all of my ascents. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I don't feel like I need to talk about everything that I do. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, a lot. Yeah. A lot. But I, I, I have a lack of onsighting and flashing, which we talked about a bunch today. Okay. Craig. Yeah. I think it's something I would like to do a lot more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like that second try mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you'll have ample opportunity. In, ample in, opportunity in St. George. Yeah, it's hard to do things first try and rifle. <laughs> <laughs> what about a five fifteen? Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I wrote five fifteen on my water jug for a long time. Uh, okay. Yeah, which I learned from. There's a boxer video that he would write goals on his water jug. Okay. Every time you pick up that water to drink more and more and more, you see what you're trying to achieve. Um, mm. I mean, I believe I'm capable of doing that one day. I think I'm still trying to build, you know. We talked about that with John Wesley, uh, who is on the, uh, he's a good buddy of mine who is on, he kind of side sat on one of the Power Company podcasts where we talked about 515. Oh, and does he have to eat a crock? He's supposed he... to eat a crock Dude. by the end of this year, by January. Uh-huh. Sorry that I'm bringing this up again, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of... The I've, clock's ticking. Clock's t- I know, man. I'm sorry, Johnny, <laughs> is all I'm going to say. Two more Better months. start marinating it. <laughs> no, I mean, oh. I, it's something I want to do. I think I have a lot of... Uh, I think I have a lot of room to... I think it's still off of my radar a little bit. Like, I'm not just gung-ho on one uh, 515 and just raging to do that. I want to be a better rock climber. Um, before I really bite my teeth into something that hard. I have climbed on Papi, Papi Chilo and Joe Mama, both at Oleana, which are common first 515s. Okay. Um, I've climbed on both of those just like one day a piece, you know, not enough to any know anything or know how hard they even feel, mm. other than the fact that they felt really, really, really difficult. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, but like being in St. George, there's a bunch of 14Ds that I have tried and climbed on and... Being there gives me the opportunity to to go to D before 14D before, mm-hmm. you know, really biting into 15A. Mm-hmm. Um, How many Cs have you done, 14Cs? Six or so, seven. Okay. Something like that. Are you pretty, are you pretty sure. um, methodical in your, in your approach to new grades? Do you try to do a certain number of each grade? No, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, I skipped, I think, 13D, I skipped 14B, but then I backfilled significantly. Okay. That's just like an accessibility thing. No, I mean, I just, whatever I'm inspired by, you know, I normally want to like climb the next grade, mm-hmm. like all of us do. Yeah. No methodical reason. If mm-hmm. I'm inspired by it and I want to climb on it, or I think it's going to push me in a different way. I probably could have picked easier 14 Cs than the crew to try mm-hmm. um, or more of my style, but I really, it's classic. I knew it would challenge me and it would be difficult for me. So I tried that. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I'll get there without Sweet. a doubt. Yeah. I believe in myself for that one. I believe in you too. Thanks. That means a lot to hear actually. I ask Pringle that every once in a while. <laughs> I just feel like I'll just randomly. <laughs> Do you still believe in me? <laughs> <laughs> what do you ask Please. him? It's more mid conversation, but just kind of like you sneak it in. <laughs> Do you think I can climb five fifteen one day? 
He's just like, yes. <laughs> it's nice to have people in your corner, you know? And they For may sure. not answer that question just without you asking it. So yeah, it's nice to have that little boost. I believe in myself, though. And I think I know how to get there. Okay. Yeah. I do know how to get there. Okay. Yeah. How? Um, what's in what's standing between you and going to St. George and diversifying my skills as a rock climber on every on mm. more types of, of climbing I think it's not always just about doing the next grade but it's about doing grades that you've already done faster as well mm-hmm. so for me I can climb 14A and sometimes a handful of tries but 14C can take me a month two months of like very dedicated effort mm-hmm. so being able to do 14C at a with less time is a big indicator of growth as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be huge for me is doing more things faster as well, not just doing 14D and trying 15A. Mm-hmm. So not so St. George gives me both of those opportunities. It gives me the opportunity to try to do 14D and invest my time into those while also trying to do things 13D to 14C faster because okay. there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, eventually I'll go back to Spain Okay. when we can travel. And I would imagine, you know, J-Star was a solid 9A, 14D climber when he first started going to Spain. Mm. And uh, and I would like to kind of be there before I go back. In a okay. Lot of yeah. Okay. Let's talk about moving to St. George then. So, I mean, as of now, you're a professional climber. Yeah. But you're going to St. George <laughs> and you're... You're stopping your road trip for a while, and yeah. you're going to start setting again. Yeah. What What led to that decision? I guess. Um, gut, a, fe- a feeling. Okay. I don't know. A lot of. Th- I mean, I went to St. George last winter, um, and just had a great time. You know, I was able to go climbing all over the place and all of these different crags that were available. Whether I spent a lot of time at them or not a lot of time at them, but just I knew. And then there's a bunch of really good rock climbers there. Joe and Jonathan are both there, and it's fun to climb with them. And um, I just knew it'd be a great place for me. And then I, I learned that you know this gym was opening contact climbing in the St. George area, and I knew Joe had connections with them and was talking with them. And I route set a few years ago, and it was like a full time job for me. You know, I. I was the head route setter. I really invested a lot of time and energy into it. And it had a, a little effect on my, I mean, I was just tired and I got burnt out of doing it. Um, and so coming into this one, I felt like, uh, you know, what better way to engage with the community than to be like a part of it, like directly a part of it um, and to make some money with that. And, you know, not only have some income from working at a climbing gym, that allows me to slow down the, my pace and like have an apartment and not live in a Honda Pilot and or be bouncing around all of the time. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to slow my pace down a bit and and be able to kind of be in one place and maybe you know have an apartment where I could get a PlayStation or an Xbox and play <laughs> Call of Duty with my friends sometimes too. You know? Okay. Yeah. So the gym allows me to do that. We've kind of they're really excited and invested in in me as a rock climber as well. Um, mm. So uh, just growing relationships and. I'm looking forward to every, I mean, the whole community is going to grow with having a climbing gym and how the climbing is there. Um, more people will visit, I'm sure. And, you know, I look forward to being a part of, a part of that growth. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, so you've, you've talked about Lee and you've talked about wanting to be a mentor and you've talked about all the people that helped you get to where you're at yeah. in this. I can really tell just hanging out with you for a couple of days that your community is really important to you. 
And I mean, you know, you have Nat here. You asked me, I showed up at the cliff today and you're like, do you mind if he joins us? And I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never done a three-person podcast before. Whoa, whoa. Let's do it. Were you hesitant about that? How'd you feel about changing it up? I was definitely open to it. I was just like, huh, okay, what would that look like? I just kind of had to think through it. Yeah. You know, and then we talked, Nat and I talked for a while at the cliff and I was like, oh, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do this. It'll be it's fun. Right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was really curious about Spain right away. Like, oh man, what would that be like to, to live over there? And I wondered, I was curious how that influenced your climbing, but I'm, I wonder that must be part of it, right? Like you've been on the road for years and living on the road can be super lonely. And I'm, I'm curious how that's played into this decision to go to St. George. And I've got some more questions. I, I'd actually love to hear some of your thoughts on finding community, living on the road, and how you find that kind of balance. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm still learning it. You know, I grew up, like, in a place that's, like, a cultural, or not cultural, but, like, it's a hub for rock climbers with the Miguels, you know? Mm. And so you just get swallowed up in a community whether you want to or not. And I was everyone's little brother, so I felt like I was just immediately part of the scene um, and that feels like it continues with my climbing everywhere i mean i try i try to be vocal at the crag and like say hi to people and ask where they're from and what they're climbing on or and try to cheer for them and you know and i have my days where i'm sad or i'm frustrated with a project and maybe i'm not as a community-minded person you know mm -hmm. but i think it's important i mean uh, i feel grateful for even the you know we as rock climbers who travel full-time make very, you can make very strong relationships with people for a month or two months where you're both at the same crag. Mm -hmm. You may never see that person again, mm. or you may not see them for years and years later. But what I've found that's really cool is that, you know, I've, I'll spend a month at Oleana with somebody and then three years later, I'll see them in some dinky little cave, <laughs> some random place in the Utah Hills. Mm -hmm. And you very quickly are like, oh, I know you. I don't necessarily know your name. You don't necessarily know my name, but we have this common experience in some way. And, and that's cool, you know, and it's like special. And without trying to interact with that person, you won't have that experience later on either. Mm. So I don't, I mean, I try and it's gotten harder the more that I do it a lot. Um, and then I'm by myself a lot too. It's so. been harder to be on the road. Or... It's been hard. What's gotten harder? Uh, communicating all the time. Okay. Not being in your own show. Okay. Um, not being like self-absorbed <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Or focused on like what your objective is for that day. Yeah. Um, I think in the past I was better at that. And maybe nowadays I'm, I try to still say hi, but sometimes it's not as exuberant as it always has been. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to take notes of those things. But yeah, I mean, it's super lonely too. Like you get to see those people at the crack, but then... You kind of mostly go and do your own thing. Uh, a lot of my loneliness, though, is self-imposed as well. Like, I need mm. my alone time. Like, I am hmm. I can be incredibly antisocial, and I don't think people necessarily always understand that by how loud and proud and goofy I can be at the crag. Interesting. Know? But, like, I, I love to have fun and enjoy communal aspects, and then I like to go do my own thing, too. Yeah. But that can also, you know, it's it's super weird. Matt and I talk about this a bunch because you can have this, like, the self, uh, I can't think of the right words for it, but, like, you're uh, antisocial but yet lonely, and those are so co conflicting feelings, you know? Hmm. 
Yeah. I can relate to that because I, you know, I host a podcast, but I'm totally an introvert. Yeah. And I think that's really confusing to people. Yeah, totally. I'm an outgoing introvert. Same. (laughs) Yeah. End of the day, I kind of need to do my thing and recharge and... I mean, yeah, from, but... I need to put headphones in and just, like, check out, you know, mm. for a, a lot of times. After mm-hmm. this, I'll be, like, blasting music and just need to my alone time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think everyone has their their limit of social interaction, mm-hmm. you know, and you, like, reach that limit sometimes, and you're like, all right, I can go hide away for a day or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to ask another self-serving question. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. So daylight savings is tomorrow. We're getting into that time of the year where it's just dark all yeah. the time. What do you do to fill that space? When oh, you're, man. When you're on the road, you're stuck in your Honda Pilot. <laughs> it's dark for five hours before it's time to go to bed. Um, if I got service, <laughs> YouTube and Netflix. Okay. Uh, there's Call of Duty on mobile now <laughs> that I've been raging on for the last year. I'm not productive with my time all the time, man. You read a book. Um, Nat gave me an excellent book. book for my birthday. What was it? Um, Exhalation. Um, okay. It's uh, nine short stories, uh, like sci-fi mode. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Nice. I texted Nat when I finished it last week. Like, I'll link just to it. So grateful that he sent it or that he gave it to me. And um, it just is a very fun, interesting book. What um, made you pick that one for him? Um, I just read that this summer. And okay. I... I devoured every story and just like cherished every single page just the ted chang who's the author um phenomenal author and just the the questions that he leaves you with throughout these stories i thought were you know they were a lot of the questions that drew drew and i end up talking about in our conversations you know Hmm. we're always jumping existential (laughs) okay okay non-answer questions (laughs) but let's just think about it Do, do you have an example from the book of one of those questions Let's see. Either of you guys. Do you have any that come to mind quickly? Well, I think one of the stories is is related to time travel and kind of realizing that even if you can, like, either go forward or go back, ultimately you can't change what's going to happen, but you can have a better appreciation and understanding for the events in your life. So it's not really, like, a question that Drew and I were trying to solve there, but just in general trying to be present and appreciative of of Mm. each moment both the moment now and also like moments and like looking back at moments of the past and looking forward uh just how to how to live a life in an open way uh i don't know i thought that was yeah that was a good one i'd say the last one is a lot about like the actions you make now can lead you onto a path of making good decisions in the future as well Mm. right and um you know not necessarily like this bad decision is gonna it's sci-fi so it's like it goes off in these you know in these it explains these interesting theories and conversations and you know these interesting ways with and this one's like timelines and kind of like avengers <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh yeah i mean just, uh, i found that one super interesting and, and similar to I don't know, conversations we have uh, i don't know not necessarily about making good decisions i think we're pretty good about that but It's just like a very broad book about life and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. You mentioned that you're not always productive with your your downtime. Is it important to you to have time where you're not productive? 
where you're just kind of vegging out and, and just recharging? Is that an important recharge for you? That's a conversation Nat and I have often. And um, I'm asking because I really struggle with this, actually. Like I have a really, especially now that I'm doing this, it is really easy to fill every free moment of the day, especially when I have service, with things that are like somewhat related to productivity for the podcast, yeah. you know? And, it, you know, sometimes that's just like wasting a bunch of time on Instagram. Totally. But I have a hard time. I feel guilty when I like yeah. truly just sit down and veg out and turn that part of my brain totally. off. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel, I think that I kept telling Nat like a month ago or something, we had this conversation that kept saying, I'm lazy, I'm lazy, I'm lazy, I'm lazy. And he was like, well, do you need that time to be lazy? You know? And as an intro, I hadn't really thought about it in that way too. I feel like I should be more lazy. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, I, think I don't ever... think the productivity thing all the time is a good thing. No, no, no. Yeah. And I, and I have this conversation. I have, I have I a really good it. friend, Shelma John, um, who flash rock. I mean, she's brilliant. Flash Foxy. Incredible. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell her all the time that I wish I was busier and she'll be like, careful what you wish for, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh-huh. So it, I think, uh, I think there's a balance. There's balance. The balance is any word that helps you get out of some conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that I, I could be more productive with my time. I think that the stretching and reading and, and things that are good for my growth as a climber or professional or some of those mentorship things, those are good. And I need to, I need to make sure that I'm taking care of the things that I need to take care of. Not just that, but also pushing forward in some ways. I think that as a professional climber, you get stuck in, I don't have a, a I don't have a textbook that somebody gives me that I have to read or something. I don't have mm. um, something that has to be normally done by next Friday. I don't have timelines. I create all of those on my own. And that can be difficult because it's easy to procrastinate. Mm. Um, it's easy to have a con, uh, like a, a content idea and push it off and off and off. Mm-hmm. I, I have to be better about setting some timelines mm. and some some goals and some structure for myself with also allowing myself time to waste. And Aaron Brower is a good friend of mine who owns the Rock House in the Red River Gorge. We talk about this a lot with cell phones and Instagram and stuff. And he thinks that phones and wasting time you know, phones especially are, are a tool. They're a brilliant tool, and they're great for entertainment as well. But he likes and he encourages me to ask myself, do I have the time to be entertained right now? Do I have hmm. the time to not not really do anything? And if that answer is yes, then mindlessly scroll or you know, watch YouTube for an hour, like whatever. Um, and if you don't have that time to be entertained, then get your shit done. Hmm. Yeah. I think also it's important distinction between are you doing that to recharge and because it's something that's pleasurable to you or are you doing that as an escape from Mm. dealing with problem x y and z Mm -hmm. and similar sort of yeah yeah maybe that's what it comes down to huh yeah Hmm. that's a great yeah i have another listener question for you so as can we give these listeners shout outs do you know who they are yeah this one's from jonathan the questions about the list were from Kyle and Alec. Thank you all for listening, supporting, (laughs) and asking questions. It means the world to both of us. Zero doubt. Awesome. Yeah. This one's from Jonathan. And this is asking you as kind of a resident expert of Red River Gorge climbing and that style. He wants advice for 
he's basically asking like, what would your advice be for someone who's preparing for a trip to go to the red? Someone who, and, and maybe I'll fill in a little bit of my own story here. I did one trip coming from Smith Rock and I'd kind of heard about the red and I prepared in a way that I thought was relevant. And I felt like I was so wildly misguided when I got there. I was like, wait, these aren't, I'm not falling off of big jugs. Like there's hard moves on these steep things. Totally. But yeah, anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to prepare. And he says he has several months to prepare. Great. So, I mean, it's uh, a super cop out, but the best way to train for the red is by climbing in the red. Um, I'm not just going to leave it at that. I'll actually answer the question. But I mean, the red is People think it's soft or easy, but if you have to understand God, how I that didn't. climbing it works there, it felt and so the hard the, to me. the fitness and being able to rest and recover and and actively rest is really really important. You have to sometimes be able to keep moving and resting while you're still climbing, hmm. and that's really difficult. You're not just getting a jug every three feet and like being able to recover on it. So it's like maintaining a certain level of pump as well. Um, so being pumped and being able to carry on. And I explain that a lot with like a, in different ways with like a stoplight or whatever. If you get into the red, greens, you're chilling, yellow, you're kind of feeling it. Red, you're like getting redlined, you're getting pumped, you're, you're getting out of there. So it's a lot about maintaining and not going into that red zone, staying in that green as much as you can. You can dip into the yellow, but you don't want to go into the red. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, to actually answer that on a training way is that... Um, Let's say he has access to, like, a conventional climbing gym. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of people will train for overall endurance. So doing, you know, four-by-fours or doing 60-move circuits or spending five, ten minutes on a wall. And I think those things are great, and I think those are things that are really important, that overall endurance, even up to ten minutes on a wall, ten to fifteen minutes if you're not that good at that being able to just kick it chilling easy climbing is great but what i think is missed quite a bit is that power endurance in between rests so like you said like they're not big jugs a lot of times it's like edges in your clothes crimping which you're getting more pumped because you're clothes crimping all the time over and over again so it's in that 20 20 move range i think is really important because if you break down a lot of routes in the red it's three sections of 20 moves. Hmm. Um, so if you can do it from jug to jug, that's huge. So for me, that looks like doing really hard doubles, um, which would be doing a boulder, drop off, and immediately back on another hard boulder. Okay. And those should be like limit boulders. Okay. Like uh, just a step below limit. Okay. I mean, maybe not like project li level limit, but like they're hard. And then resting, you know, until you're recovered and doing that again. Um, and that's, that's pretty much like that. The workout is done after that. Okay. It's like that high, high intensity and low volume while mixing in those 10 minutes on the wall, being able to recover on a jug. Hmm. So that gets you that 15, 20 moves in between jugs. And then that longer endurance gets you being able to recover and chill on a full, full red point. Okay. Does that make sense? And not just doing both of those, but doing everything in between as well. All the other types of endurance yeah. that you mentioned before. So, I mean, I think it's like if you're going on a trip to the red, instead of just training the full endurance, I'll, you know, I would train my power. I would train my finger strength for a little bit. Even repeaters can be really, really great for the red because that can get in that power endurance. Failure in your forearms without being pumped is something that happens a lot. 
Um, yeah, th- that was my experience. I kept powering out and yep. you know melting off of roots Correct. before I was even pumped. And I was yep. like, what are people yep. talking about? And so that is in that two by two and even sometimes a three by three, you can start, you start getting pretty pumped in that, especially if you're doing multiple sets of like a boulder, boulder, boulder. Um, but that double can be sick because the intensity is so high. You're failing on that second, fourth lap, but you're not pumped. Okay. Your fingers are opening up. You're fighting, you're fighting hard, but you're not necessarily like got that deep aching pump okay so a two by two two boulders that are almost at your limit back to back yep and then be the same too. rest how long i would probably start by keeping it the intensity high so uh, i would maybe rest 10 minutes okay like pretty close to full recovery yeah for that kind of thing and And then then do it again do it again and then maybe the next time you do that uh, maybe the following week or a a couple days later you uh, maybe shorten that rest time Okay. If you can shorten that rest time a little bit more and more, then you're going to, it can be good too. Okay. If you're completing it, you know? Okay. But you may not even be completed on your first time. Mm. It should be hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Same with three by three, you know? Let's break that one down actually. Yeah. So- boulder, boulder. And then I find that if I chalk up between that third rest, and this is something that Lee helped teach me. And I don't know the science behind this. People could tell you the anaerobic, aerobic capacities and things like that. I don't understand that stuff um, (laughs) (laughs) as much, but uh, I know what works a little bit for me. So doing a boulder, doing a boulder, taking 10 seconds, 15 seconds to kind of let that flush a little bit. um, So you're not getting that full pump, which can be just chalking up, taking a deep breath and then getting on for that third lap. Okay. Um, That is really good for Red River climbing power endurance mode. Okay. Yeah. And what intensity relative to your like max red point uh, boulder grade? It should be, that's pretty close to flash, I think. Okay. So if you flash a boulder, it's relatively hard for you. Then with subsequent tries, it should become easier and easier and easier. Um, I want it, it wouldn't be, to me, it's not a boulder that I've just flashed once. It's like, you know, I have circuit boulders. I have boulders that I have on lock when I'm in a gym mm-hmm. or that I've set even. And they're very simple, non-comp style, very like, you know, train like you're training for the red or the red type, you know, which like mostly flat edges, steeper walls, 30, 40 degrees. That was going to be my question. And, so yeah, ballpark angles and hold yeah, size. That you and shoot sometimes for. like longer moves in between holds. Okay. Um, and I would mix that in. Like if you have three boulders, I might not just do the same boulder. I might do one boulder that's like small edges. And then the next one would be on a steeper wall and the next one might be bigger holds but bigger moves and then mm. the third one might just be you know this long wandering like edge problem or mm. something you know so mixing it up can help too okay um yeah okay you just mentioned 30 40 degrees do you think that's kind of a a good yeah in general go a good angle to, maybe to target slightly less even 40 is probably a bit steep for the yeah. 40, 40 is pretty steep. Yeah. Um, at that point, you're on pretty big holds, you know, mm-hmm. or shorter periods of times. Um, yeah, most of the 30, red 30, 30-ish. that I saw wasn't as steep as I had been led to believe that no, it was. No, it's not. You need to be able to pull on smaller holds. Yeah. There's a lot of 20 degree, yeah. 15 even. It matters what you're climbing on, you right. know? Yeah, I we have a like red reverse slab is normally like ten degrees overhanging. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> you're like yeah. oh, I'm twenty feet away from the wall when I lowered off. I thought this was a slab route. <laughs> Final question about that: 
how would you when you're when you're thinking about the session where you're doing the doubles and then you've got a session where you're doing 10 minutes on the wall yeah uh, 60 move circuits, four by fours. How would you think about like mixing those things into a week or a month? Or So it's all progressive for me. So I start with, like I kind of mentioned earlier, it didn't fully explain, but I start with strength. I do power next. Um, kind of period, periodized. Periodized, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I, I've always found that if I, if my fingers are stronger, I'm going to boulder better. If my bouldering is better than my power endurance, like power endurance sessions are going to be better mm-hmm. if my, or harder you know so then if my power endurance sessions are harder and better then my endurance sessions are going to be the same you know they're going to they're all going to keep going mm-hmm. in that progressively less intense more moves but still being able to boulder hard moves for okay. for me i need to keep the bouldering in but i think a lot of people could just ride this wave of strength power power endurance like endurance more and more specific correct okay yep. And, uh, but you do mix in some strength and power. Yep. Totally. But that's, I mean, that's the whole time. Yeah. The whole time for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that might look like, you know, um, uh, I talked to a professional about this, but, uh, I, you know, I think, you know, for me, if I do like a, a two by two one week, I'll do it maybe two sessions of that and then add a bouldering day in or something, bouldering, two bouldering days in. Um, and then, um, the next week I might do a, a two by two and then at the end of that week I might do a three by three and then mm. the following week I might do um you know a three by three and a three by three um and then the following one I would do a three by three three by three and a four by four okay and then into like a 40 move circuit into a 60 move circuit so it's kind of like one week would be the same like two by two two by two and the next week you add in the the next one mm. and then the next week you three by three three by three I'm explaining this you, in a roundabout way, but it's yeah. hard to picture without yeah. drawing or showing. Uh-huh. But uh, each second week, each bye week, I think would get you would add in the different thing. Okay. And then it's good to take breaks. You know, it's good to like you know take a couple of days off there. Um, kind of towards that fourth week, you're like getting into some intense territory, and then adding in some bouldering. I think right before trips, I tend to go off of the high volume because you're just tired. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing a bunch of sixty move you circuits, kind of taper and. 10 minutes on the wall you taper off and then i keep it low volume a high intensity so i might add in some more bouldering then okay yeah cool yeah trying to not get hurt normally yeah okay okay <laughs> cool thanks for all that yeah um, sorry I, if that was I, complicated i think that made sense wandering. to me if anyone has questions about that let us know and maybe we can put it in like a graphic yeah format or something yeah and um, or you can let us know dm me email me and like we talked about earlier, I'm happy to answer questions. But short version is start with pretty high intensity. That two by two is pretty high intensity. Yeah. And progressively work towards lower intensity and higher volume, yep. more pump. Yep. Cool. I think that's across the board for a lot of people with like time in a gym too, you know, okay. leading up to a trip. It's not just me doing that, but I do think that helps a lot with the red. Okay. Yep. Now you you spend a lot of time at the red. Do you have anything to add to that? If you're giving someone advice, you know, going there for their first time. Well, I, th- I think like you, I went there expecting big jugs and roofs, and uh-huh. that's not the case. So I would say come with strong fingers and strong core. Hmm. My first time there, I learned a lot, and then came back with stronger fingers and stronger core, and had a lot more success. Hmm. Yeah, fingers for sure. Fingers help a lot. What do you do for your finger strength now, Drew? Um, um, 
borrow someone's flashboard at the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we already covered that a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I've done periodized training with Lee and stuff where we throw a bunch of weight on and we do, you know, bigger holds, bigger edges and more weight and, and really like structured out. But nowadays it's like, you know, if I feel like I'm, my crimp strength is low, then at the end of a session or beginning, I might, you know, get on a hangboard and do three closed crimp hangs on a small edge. And that just gets my, my fingers firing, you know? Hmm. Um, it's just like something simple, like it doesn't have to be fully structured out. For me now, I've done those things before, hmm. but just kind of getting them going. If I know that I'm going to have a trip to Wild Iris or something, I'm going to do some two-finger hangs. I'm going to do some weighted two-finger hangs with like high-intensity low volume kind of stuff. Okay. Just max hang, 10 second hang. Would you do those like end of the day after climbing or on the Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was trying uh, uh, Walk a Flock of Flame, there's the part that I was falling in was this section off of Walk of Flocka into the living part, into Mm -hmm. the dream part. And there's two bad crimps and my fitness felt really good, but I felt like I was just kind of like peeling out of those crimps. And Mm. so I just started at the end of the day grabbing the smallest edge on a tension board and just trying like hell on a crimp for 10 seconds, you know, and doing hmm. three hangs of that. And that tension crimp is like really small too. So on the flashboard? Yeah. Okay. Just like getting into that like trying territory is is helpful I think with finger strength. That's I mean that's not a scientific answer in any form or fashion. Doesn't have to be. But like just getting your your you know whatever size edge that is for you that you got to kind of fight for 10 seconds or even seven seconds is a great just kind of getting your fingers firing. Hmm. Yeah, they can kind of fall asleep on you a little bit Mm. if you're just like climbing on jugs a lot or edges or you're not close crimping every once in a while. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So just end the day with a few quick max hangs. Yeah, and that's random. I mean, that's not every session. It's not every day out. It's random kind of here and there. When you feel like you need it. Yeah. Okay. Getting real comfy here. Cool. (laughs) Pretzeling in the passenger chair. (laughs) I know you're a huge hip hop rap fan. Yeah. Do you have a favorite new album or song that you've been listening to? Or a favorite old one that you've come back to that you're psyched about right now? I'm in a R&B phase. Okay. A bit that I've been in for a year or so. There's an artist named Black that's spelled with a six. It looks like six lakh, but it's pronounced Black. He's from okay. Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, he's brilliant, you know. And it's kind of more chill and melodic and nice beats and stuff like that. He's probably who I play the most travis scott helps me get like real psyched i've been listening to like i said that mantra earlier from mm-hmm. um that one bryson tiller has a new album out okay called anniversary bryson tiller's from louisville um yeah r&b all right um kind of mode more slow okay stuff cool yeah i'll There's link to a girl named malia too okay she's uh she's uh british she's just a beautiful singer and songwriter and Really nice verses and stuff. Awesome. Okay, I'll link to all those in the, in the <laughs> yeah. show notes. Do you have a Do you have a current hype up song? What were you listening to today at the Crag? What was I listening today? I was listening to Butterfly Effect. Butterfly Effect by Travis Scott. Butterfly Effect by yeah. Travis Scott. And that's got that like for this life I cannot change. Okay. Line in it that okay. has just kind of been. A little bit of a mantra. Yeah, I don't know. I, I play the same things over and over again quite a bit. A lot of J. Cole. 
Yeah. What everything Russ has been on the playlist recently. Okay. Yeah, Nipsey, Mac Miller. <laughs> uh, there's a lot. Sweet. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Hype up song. Meek Mill helps a lot too. Dreams and nightmares. Oh. That's a song. That's a song. That's a song. That's a walk-in song. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, is there something that you wish you had known when you were 20? You just turned 26. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Where were you at when you were 20? When I was 20. Let's 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 do this instead. You've been on the road for about four years. Um, yeah. Is there anything you wish you'd known when you first set out on the road as a full-time climber? That's a great question. It's still the things I'm. I mean, learning how to take care of yourself when you're on the road, and you know, take care of your health and take care of your like mental health too. Hmm. Uh, I enjoy every second of it. It's probably hmm. a better answer. It's easy to take it for granted, especially when you're like in rifle for three months or whatever. I mean, I'm. It's not until I leave a trip. It's funny, I made that. I sometimes I make weird noises and Chris calls me out on them. But like when I'm pausing, I did like. Uh, <laughs> and Chris I plays just, it back. Anyway, I just edit those out so no one ever knows. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, dude, it's like it's like one of those classic things of like if you don't stop around, if you don't stop and look around, uh, you could miss it. Hmm. Um, kind of things that I would make sure to tell myself. And I'm decently good about that sometimes, but it's easy to get sucked into a, a project or something and not necessarily take care of looking around and being present and being, I mean, I try to be grateful, uh, but you can kind of just get in a, a, the routine and the monotony and not necessarily know how, know how lucky you are. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, I think I'm okay at it, but I'd, that's something I'd like to always be better at, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would tell myself back then to diversify what I'm doing too. Make sure you have other uh, outlets, other outside of climbing. Yeah, other focuses. Not necessarily focuses. I, I'd like to be set on what I'm doing and try to be successful at that. But give space for other things. You should give space to your friends and, hmm. and time. Not give space to them, but give them time and you know, allow those things to grow a bit, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a great question. I'd need to think about that more to have a answer. I'm yeah, I meant to send it to you ahead of time. That's and okay. I spaced it. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot. With Put me one. on the spot. <clears throat> what is something that you've been feeling especially grateful for lately? What have I been feeling grateful for? I mean, friends and uh, the, a community that's supportive. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, like having that here is so cool to me. You know, um, I, you know, people text me today asking how the project went. My friends did, you know, hmm. I'm really grateful for them. Um, my family, um, which I've, I think that's something I would tell myself is to give more time to my family. Hmm. Um, you, know, you grow up with them and take them for granted for sure. But now that I feel like I'm moving away and I'm going to not be in Kentucky as often, uh, I like miss them more, hmm. you know? I got three siblings and okay. my mom and dad, and so I, you know, I want to spend more time with them. I want to know more about their lives. You know, mm. I want to be included and involved in their lives more than I have been. It's easy to not be on the road, you know, mm -hmm. or not fully involved in. You know, that'd be nice. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for a lot of those things. I don't know. Yeah, friends, France, <laughs> rock climbing. <laughs> What did you say? What did you text back to your friends that asked you how the project went today? 
shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> How'd it go? Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think I told them uh, the details, how I did on the route. Okay. Uh, I was psyched that I made it through the bottom boulder twice. Um, I got pumped, and maybe that was a byproduct of not climbing, you know, some gym days and some snow days that we just had. Yeah. Experience as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, we sure did. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> Driving in the snow. Um, just kind of like, well, what's up kind of thing. Yeah. How the route went. And- I guess I'm really asking, how are you feeling about it? You've got a few more days on it? Oh yeah. I mean, I think I, we talked about it a little earlier with like, I'm pretty okay with whatever result, you know, I really like to do it. And sometimes you have that like last go best go kind of thing. Um, that, I think that happens. I think the pressure of, of leaving can really focus your effort sometimes. Um, I feel like I always have this conversation with myself early in the process and it's something that Lee instilled in me and asked me is that uh would i be okay trying this route for a month and not doing it Mm. and i determined that you know whatever a month two months ago so if i walk away now like cool Mm. i mean and i've hit breaking point a couple times on this thing where i'm like i should not be just doing this i should be going somewhere else i should take a break i should leave for two weeks and come back like i did with estes or whatever um and Right now, I feel, I mean, I'm so just happy that I got this time in Rifle and got to experience this and try hard and push myself. And if I fail, I fail. And if I do it, I do it. I, I've had this conversation, too, with myself. If I, if I give it my best effort, if I try hard and I kind of try to line things up the best way that I know how to, which I can always learn how to do things better. But if I give my best effort, then I can live with the result. Cool. Yeah. And I feel pretty confident in that with this one. I've done the right things. Sure. You know, mm. however it shakes out. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> right on, man. Well, I will be wishing you luck. When's when's your next day on it? Are you going to try tomorrow? Um, I'll try, I'll try Monday, Tuesday, I think. Will okay. Be last ditch efforts. Okay. Then you're leaving Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You asked that, uh, what are you grateful for question with all your interviews? Yeah. What are you grateful for? <laughs> Um, it's hard, it's hard to answer cause there is so much, you know? Yeah. A lot of things, a lot of things right now. I'll keep it pretty simple. I, so like you just alluded to, we had that snowstorm. We had a couple days where I was bivied at the Walmart parking lot cause I was afraid to drive my van in the snow Yeah, and it was like three degrees overnight one day. And, uh, I'm really psyched to have another few shots at the, at the project. The forecast looks really good. So. Yeah. It's yeah, I'm nice. psyched, psyched to be here. I think it's going to be a little bit of a hustle here at the end because a lot of people have left. Partners. Not, not many partners you left in the canyon. Them together. But um, Luckily, you can blay out of your truck bed or you can blay out of your car <laughs> in most crags here. So It's not as big of an ask No. in rifle as no. many places. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm grateful for my time here. I'm really grateful for a little bit more really beautiful weather. Yeah. And... Kind of same. Yeah. You know, it'd be really nice to do one more hard thing, but yeah. if not, that's okay. Yeah. Can I say one more thing that I'm grateful for, too? <laughs> of, of course. <laughs> you can edit this in. But Black, Black, that artist that I was telling you about, the R&B that I really like. Yeah. Draw, like, some inspiration from. Recently, he wrote, I'm grateful for a new 24 and the opportunity to be more productive and creative than I was yesterday. Hmm. And I really, really like that. Yeah, the opportunity for tomorrow. 
Awesome. It's a good thing to be grateful for, I guess. Cool. Which you're grateful for that tomorrow to get a go try your rig, I guess. That's right. Whoa, whoa. I want that blue point too. Let me get on belay for that. I got you. I got you. you might have to battle Ethan for it, but yeah, I can thumb can wrestle him. him for sure. <laughs> how that rocks? Rock paper scissor. He says you're really good at basketball. He sounds like you can kick his ass at basketball. Yeah. Did he tell you that story? He did. Yeah. On the podcast? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just... I just asked him what I should ask you about, and he's yeah. like, "Dude, he's like freakishly good at basketball, actually." Drukenball. ball. Thanks. <laughs> He schooled all of us at the rec center. Oh, my God. It was so funny. (laughs) I felt like a pool shark. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We almost bought a basketball in Mallorca when Ethan and I were there, but we ended up just rock climbing a lot. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. Final question. If you send this thing, what are you going to (laughs) eat? Well, I guess since I had a chocolate frosty today, I need to go find a blizzard somewhere. I'll uh, go get a, a Mentorio Blizzard, or I just go get another frost, chocolate Frosty. <laughs> I'd be totally fine with that. Send Frosty. Send Frosties for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without doubt. I'll probably send Frosty and some donuts. It's all good. <laughs> Work hard, play hard. Right, <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is super fun, man. Thank you. I yeah. really appreciate it. I, I was telling you know you this, but I think you're exceptional at what you do, and you communicate really well, and uh, you do a lot of research and it's really cool. Like, it's really cool. You, you're a fun person to talk to. And I really am grateful for this opportunity. I was pretty nervous about it. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really grateful that I said yes. And yeah, thank you. Me too, man. My, my pleasure. And thanks very much. Yep. That's, that's really kind. I appreciate that. Nat, thanks so much, man. Yeah. Thanks for letting me tag along. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Quite a lot of fun. Yeah. Nat's fun to reconnect with you after all these years and best of luck with your shoulder. Oh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Whatever happens with it, I hope it works out. And you're Nat also built my hunter. website. I forgot to mention oh. that. So hashtag plug. Um, <laughs> go check out his amazing his work on there. <laughs> What's your website? DrewMattClimbs.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's not that active, but it should be better. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We'll see you. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, best of luck on the project. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that one. Just one final fun update before you go. Drew did end up trying the crew the following Monday, as he said in the interview. He gave it a couple great tries, but didn't do it. Tuesday was his last day in the canyon, and he decided to give it one final attempt, even though it was his second day on. And with zero expectations and with yours truly on belay, Drew sent the crew. It was amazing. He said he felt tired and had to battle, but he looked really solid and sent in good style. And he let out one of the loudest victory screams at the top that I've heard. And he was pretty much giggling the rest of the night. He was just overflowing with happiness, and I'm sure he had a big smile on his face on his flight back to Kentucky the following day. So congratulations, Drew. You fought super hard for that one, and it was well-earned. And I hope your chocolate send frosty was the tastiest yet. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. I appreciate you all. We'll see you next time. Mm